podcast world what's up chad belding back at you thank you so much for the support again of this life ain't for everybody keep the comments coming keep the reviews coming we love hearing from people and we love hearing from our listeners especially telling us who they want to see and hear on the podcast what topics they want covered whether it's hunting conservation cooking car racing motorcycle racing x games college wrestling mma boxing it doesn't matter we like to uh, try to diversify. So thank you very much for all the support of that. And please don't forget about that 2019 North American Whitetail Championship taking place in 14 regions across America and Canada. $300 enters you to win and qualify for your chance to win $50,000 cash money. Show me the money, Jerry. And with that $300, you get a entry package that's valued at over $300, $500 with a Tacticam, a Gator Cooler, Tumbler, Broadheads, peep side stuff to accessorize your bow out. Get ready. If you're a deer hunter, if you enjoy chasing whitetail deer across America, whether you're in a, a stand or a box blind or a ground blind, and whether you spot and stock, it doesn't matter. Put your archery skills to test. Join and enter the North American Whitetail Championships for 2019. 19, again, in 14 regions across America and Canada, brought to you by Michael Waddell and the Bone Collector crews, crew down there in Booger Bottom, Georgia. You know how much those guys, T-Bone and Nick Munt and Michael and his papa and everybody love chasing whitetail deer. Get out there, show off your skills, and try to put that $50,000 in the bank account. Again, the 2019 North American Whitetail Championship. Go to NAWTC.com. Get entered. Go to BoneCollector.com. Get entered. Get the details. Get involved. Stay struck stay ethical stay safe and go win you that money guys it's a it's a great cause and it's going to bring deer hunters across the nation together whitetail buck deer munching on clover the nawtc north american whitetail championship tell them the foul life crew and the this life ain't for everybody crew sent you i don't know if that's going to get you anything because they're going to be like what whatever duck hunters but go win that money deer hunting deer hunters unite so uh, thank you for that and today's guest is right along the same lines, kind of, when you talk about conservation agencies, conservation organizations, conservation efforts across this country, the first ones that pop into most people's mind, let me see, probably Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Pheasants Unlimited, Pheasants Forever, Quail Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, Mule Deer Foundation. There's a lot of them out there. In Nevada, we have a big one called NBU, which is the Nevada Bighorns Unlimited. And they do a great job in a lot of different causes, including getting sheep on our mountains, predator control, guzzler guzzler installation, construction and management and, and maintenance. And they do a lot to secure our wildlife in our state of Nevada. And they work with agencies all across the country. And today, I have a man from the agency that you hear us talk about a lot on the Foul Life at the podcast here. And we're talking about the CWA, the California Waterfowl Association. And with me today is the VP of Fundraising and Membership Development for the California Waterfowl Association out of the Sacramento, Rockland area, Roseville area is where their headquarters offices are, but their efforts not only reach the entire state of California, not only reach the entire Pacific Flyway, but they're starting to move eastward all over the country. They're becoming a national brand because of their efforts, because everything starts in California and moves eastward as far as politics go, government affairs go, conservation efforts go. These guys, they they shake, a, they swing a big stick, they say a lot, but they back it all up. And through all of their efforts I've seen over the last five years, um, it astonishes me for a regional effort like this to 
be going on in the state of California with 25,000 members right now with tons of volunteers. I don't know how many full-time employees they have, but Scott Mueller, the VP, the vice president of fundraising and membership, um, I guess it'd be kind of drive membership drive, getting new members involved and then maintaining that membership and making sure that your members are taken care of throughout the year. Welcome Scott Mueller. Thank you very much, Chad. Glad to be here. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're here too. And we've known each other for several years now we've done, you know, we've filmed together. We've talked about different things that we've been involved with, with the CWA and it, it never ceases to amaze me that it never ends. You would think that, you know, once you guys wrapped your hands around some of the different, um, you know, things that you're executing on a daily basis and yearly basis that you'd be set, you know, you'd be set and that would keep you busy enough, but it never ends. Does it? I mean, every time I turn around, you guys are, are talking about new initiatives and new things that are coming the duck hunters way, the conservationist way, the hunters way, the shooters way, the gun owners way. And you guys are, that voice that we need, but it's never ending, is it? No, it never, never is, especially in California. I mean, more than any other state, we're the biggest minority in that state. Um, there's about 70,000 duck stamps sold in California. California's a big state, a lot of politics, a lot of urbanization. So um, really our core mission, what we're trying to do at California Waterfowl is protect waterfowl hunting. That is our core. And that's where all of our programs revolve around, whether it's conservation, education, our lobbying, you mentioned that before, obviously California is a very political state, not on our side for the most part, but we have a way to be effective. Um, and, and that is one of the things that our national brands and, and people across the United States do see uh, a lot of value in with us is because like you said before, what starts in California is gonna trickle across the whole United States. So we wanna combat that in California as much as we can. We have four full paid lobbyists on our staff or two staff and then a couple of uh, contract lobbyists. We have a lobbyist in DC that we work with on national issues, uh, mostly conservation stuff. But really the, the thing that about California waterfowl that we do that is different than a lot of the organizations is that we actively protect hunting at the Capitol. And that means we get right involved in the gun issues that could happen down there. And, and with our new governor, that's not gonna end. But uh, more importantly, I mean, we, we do a lot of groundwork on conservation, habitat. Everybody knows as hunters that conservation is, is key to, uh, if you're a hunter, you, you better believe in conservation because we want to protect it today and for all future generations. So really kind of a, a, lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. Like you said, it doesn't end and, uh, and there's a lot coming down. We just did our five-year strategic plan going off on that and, and really trying to set forth some big goals for the organization to have some growth in membership, to have some growth in our programs. And, uh, you know, we just kicked off our first year. So it's exciting times. When, let's start off with, um, I love when I hear the word exciting times and there's so much excitement that comes with this lifestyle, how we all, you know, starting right now, we already start thinking about duck season, you know, and getting prepared for duck season and what do we have to get done for duck season and then duck season gets here and you're, you're like, man, there's so many different moving parts that it takes to be successful. And as a duck hunter, I think for the most part, people are like, man, I got to get my boat ready. I got to make sure my dog's trained. I got to get my shooting skills there. I got to practice my duck call, my goose calling. I got to get my maps out. I might have to network a little bit for some permission. I'm looking for some new leases. What dates am I going to Canada? Got to get my airfare booked. I got to get my team, you know, my crew ready to go up there. Are we driving? Are we flying? What hotels are we staying in? I want to, I want to say like the things that we're getting ready to talk about need to start being at the forefront of those thoughts throughout the years. 
Um, and not just when February rolls around and the last day of duck season happens at the end of January. And then, you know, whether you're chasing turkeys or snow geese or the late season Canada season, once the season ends, people tend to, you know, well, let's get into turkeys. It's lake season, it's boat season, whatever it is. I think that we need throughout the duck season, throughout the off season, throughout the preparation season, that the things that the CWA is striving to get on the, you know, in on the tip of the tongue of everybody, whether it's conservation or the legalities or the, you know, the government affairs and everything that you're touching on, how do we get that to be on the front of somebody's mind, always on the top of their head? Like, instead of like, Hey, I'm practicing my duck calling, like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm figuring out how I can get involved more with somebody like the CWA to help out to ensure this lifestyle for many generations to come because it's easy to say I'm a duck hunter. It's easy to say I'm gonna go out and kill a bunch of sprig or widgeon or pintail. I mean, mallards. But what does it really mean to put your best foot forward to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to ensure that lifestyle, whether it's for the next five years? I mean, we're under the gun a lot as hunters and shooters and gun owners and stuff. What is the CWA doing to get an 18-year-old kid, a 21-year-old kid, what are they doing to make sure that they understand how important this voice is? Yeah, good point. It, you know, the best thing that I can say, and it's, it's kind of sad in our industry that you say people put things away January 31st, about that time, everybody stops thinking about ducks and they really don't start thinking about hunting until September. And that's really where the work goes in to, to create those new hunters, to, to spread the message, to do the conservation work. And I, the biggest thing that I can push with us and any organization you belong in is you got to stay connected. You have to understand what's going on in your state, in your region, it, locally. There's just a lot of issues that are out there. And if you don't stay connected and you don't figure out what's going on, you know, it's going to hit you in the face and it's going to be gone or it's going to be challenged or you're not going to be able to hunt that hole you hunted last year because some local municipality took it away from you or whatever it is. So that's the biggest thing as hunters that, you know, to stay connected. And there's ways to do that with connecting with organizations like California Waterfowl, being connected on a local dinner committee is a great way to stay connected. It's a fundraising dinner that we, that we put on about 90 of them throughout the state, Ducks Unlimited, all of us do it. And, and that is really a close connection to the organization. But there's other ways to stay connected. We do our, a, a monthly e-newsletter. We do, uh, you know, our, our social media, we try to get it out there. And volunteering. Volunteering is another great way to stay connected. As, as Chad was saying, you know, one of the big parts of the organization is creating new hunters. We're trying to put conservation out in front of the youth, out in front of the adults, the young adults, to create the folks that are going to get step out in the marsh, you know, and, and continue what we love so much. And so California Waterfowl, we put a lot of resources in that. You, you, you said earlier about how many employees we have. We have almost 50 employees that that, that do all of these great programs we talked about. One of them is our education programs. I mean, we do a lot with kids. We have uh, summer camp programs, week-long camps. That's a great way to, to get your kids the outdoor experience or shooting rifles, bows, fishing, kayaking, all those great things in the outdoors, and they're not sitting on a video game. So those types of activities and, and programs and, and camps and stuff that we put forth are a great way to, to get out there. And we're seeing one of the things that's really great about um, what I think is that we're seeing a lot of interest from urban people wanting to do what we do. There is a big push, Bay Area push, or whatever the whole eat what you kill um, movement that people are okay with going out and hunting and taking an animal, and they want to learn how to do it. So we offer programs for the adults to do that. So, but back to your first question about staying connected as a big, don't put it away. Don't turn off what's going on locally. 
You know, this year in California in July, they're implementing the next step in ammo laws. We can't shoot lead ammo at deer anymore come July 1. And they're also doing background checks on ammunition to buy ammunition. So these are the types of things that happen right now. The legislature and in, in their meeting right now at the Capitol, and there's a slew of new bills that are out there. Can't even name them all, but it's not great stuff for Californians. But that's why we're there fighting. So did you guys try to fight against that background check for ammo? Yep. And, yeah. you, and you lost? Yeah, well, it, it actually was a, a, a voter. It was voted on by the, the um, voters of California as well as there was a dual. Uh, one bill went through the legislature, and then there was a, actually uh, Gavin, Gavin Newsom, our current governor, put it on the ballot back in uh, a couple years ago. And then was it a voting policy, too, on the lead in deer hunting? That went through our straight state legislature. So went through what was the, their reasoning for saying that you couldn't shoot a lead bullet at a deer? Uh, nothing good. Just, I mean, no good reasoning. Um, Are they just it, trying it was, to make it hard for people to hunt? I mean, that's a lot of people say, yeah, they're chipping away, right? They're chipping away. In California, they chipped away several years ago and took away the ability to hunt bears with dogs. And, you know, what's next? Your, your retriever for pheasant hunting or duck hunting or whatever. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's those little things that are kind of, call them low-hanging fruit that, you know, they can they can chip away at because, you know, there's a lot of people in California and the whole nation that don't like hunting. Um, and and But they're always the first one to step up and say, there's too many cougar attacks. There's too many too many problems with coyotes. There's there's too they're ravishing our neighborhoods. I mean I read reports out of California all the time of another jogger attacked by a cougar. Um, people complaining about it. And I'm like, well in one sense of the word you're you're scared of them. You you, I'm not necessarily saying that you think they're bad or that they need to go away, but they need to be controlled. And you're not allowed to cougar hunt in California. You're not allowed to bear hunt with dogs in California. You're not allowed to go and just buy ammo over the counter. Pretty soon it's going to go to that. You got to get a background check. There's all of these laws and waterfowl hunting all the way, both at the state level and the federal level that make it pretty not impossible, but you're you're taking a chance every time you go duck hunting of, of breaking some sort of law if you're not really, really keen on them and up on them and make sure you study them and in, ingest them and really have them ingrained in your, in your psyche of identifying ducks. When can I shoot? When do I have to stop shooting? Where do I have to place my birds once the dog brings them back or I go retrieve these birds? What, what, what can I do is in group shooting? And, and, and when a big flock comes in, can we all stand up and shoot? And how do we make sure that we understand which birds we hit and which birds that we have in our possession? There's so much stuff. And that's just a couple. Mm -hmm. There's so many things in duck hunting that make it hard already. And now you want to come in and you want to chip away even more of the lifestyle. Like, so you're saying that I can't be a hunter and outdoorsman, but there is this push, this organic push of living off the land and being a provider. And people that might not necessarily be hunters are wanting that to get their meat naturally and not have it put, you know, filled full of enzymes and a bunch of stuff that these, uh, that some of these meat producers are, are, putting into their meats before they put them at retail. There's a ton of ways like with companies like butcher block and snake river farms that are supplying grass fed beef. It's still killing animals. Yeah. It's still in a way you're still eating an animal that had to die. So now people are going, man, hunting is, is, is not bad. And then you got the government pushing back even further of taking those people that are almost on the verge of saying, I want to get into it. 
and they're making it more difficult. And that's where the CWA comes in and says, wait, we're going to get with the senators. We're going to get to Capitol Hill in Sacramento, and we're going to have a voice in this, right? That's really what you're saying is that people are almost right there going, I want to hunt. I want to hunt. Bay Area. Now, what about the movement of CWA south of the Bay Area, into Bakersfield, into the Salton Sea, into Los Angeles, into Long Beach, into those areas? into Arrowhead Lake. You guys are pushing all the way down into their places across the country. Nobody relates Los Angeles with hunting, but it's got one of the largest predator problem and predator populations in the country with the mountains around there and the hills around there. There's so much going on in Southern California. You guys are moving into there. I'm very passionate about it. And that's why I'm probably talking so fast right now is like, they want us to not be able to go out and enjoy what we love to do. And that's why they keep chipping away at it. And without it being on the front of our minds all the time, and without somebody like the CWA and yourself and your volunteers and your staff and your full-time employee employees, what do we have? What do we have if we're not active, if we're not actively involved in this and making sure that we're careful because you're not sitting across the table making this shit up. You're really looking at me going, Yes, we can't shoot deer with lead anymore. And yes, we're going to have ammo background checks. That should scare the living hell out of every hunter across America that it's happening in California. Because Illinois is just, as, is just the same way. Where's it going to happen next? And then you're going to sit there and start bitching without being involved. And that's what, if you're unhappy with something people say, then go try to help make a change. That's what you got to do, right? And that's what the CWA is doing. So... I, I'm looking at it like you're sitting here telling me that these things are really happening. They're actually Absolutely. happening. It's not a joke. Like you're going to have to go in and say, can I get a background check to buy some 22 mag shells or 22 long rival to go out and plink with my seven-year-old? That's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, some of the scariest ones out there, there's, you know, go, leaving California by law, if you leave California with um, your ammunition, you can only bring back I think it's 50 rounds or uh, 25 rounds legally. So you leave to go on a goose hunt in, in, let's say, Oregon, and you take a bunch of ammunition legally coming across the border. You have to you have to either have your receipt that shows you bought it legally in California and went through the background check. It's just there's just stuff like that. And, I mean, so I, I can't I, go there tomorrow. I can't go there tomorrow and shoot from Nevada. I can't drive over there with my ammo. I mean, right now I can't. But when this goes into effect, I can't go speckle belly hunting and bring my own ammo from Nevada. There's there's laws about how much you can bring across. It is it's it's unbelievable, and it's scary. I mean, you, you and I mean, there's there's so much of it out there, and and the ones the scary part about where we're at in California is you know. Our previous governor, Governor Brown, he vetoed a lot. A lot of stuff hit his desk that wouldn't have been good for us, and he didn't sign it. And uh, and unfortunately, Gavin Newsom has been on record as saying, yeah, he didn't sign a lot of stuff. I would have signed those. So the threats are real. Stay plugged in. you got to stay plugged in. And, and little things, we do a thing called voter voice. When there's, when there's a, a bill that we need action on, we email it out, and it's really simple. It takes you about 10 seconds to fill out, and, and an email goes right to your, your representative there. And that matters. Those things matter. Even though we're a small population of folks, hunters in California, when they get tens of thousands of letters or whatever that is, they pay attention to that. So, I mean, that's really our message in the Capitol is, hey, we're hunters. Here's how your legislation affects us. And we go and talk to them and we, and, and, and they take our, they take our appointments and they, because they understand that as an organization, we're all about conservation, which they're about that, you know, everybody wants to see conservation done, whether you're a hunter or not a hunter, people want to protect the environment, have good things for the wildlife. And so that gets us in the front door. And then we're able to explain how 
their legislation, how it's written, affects hunters. I mean, we've been very effective in getting things changed. Last year, um, uh, went into law that you have to be 21 years old to purchase a long gun. It's always been 21 for a pistol, but a long gun, you have to be 21. We, we got written into that legislation that, except for if you have a hunting license. So we're trying to do things. We still oppose the, 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 the bill to, to restrict it to 21, but at the end of the day, it gets signed. It goes into law. You have a hunting license, then you, you can, can go buy a Benelli. Yeah. Yep. Go buy a yep. rifle. So, but it's, it's a, you know, you talk about Southern California. I mean, Southern California, people don't realize this. Half of our hunting population is south of the Grapevine. Where's the, where the Grapevine is the mountain range yep. between Bakersfield yep. and LA? Yep. So, and there's a lot in the duck hunting down there. People don't realize how um, good it is. Uh, you know, we, we struggled as most, most people did across the United States this year with the weather we had. And, you know, it was a tough hunting season, but down in Southern California, they had one of the best years they've had. I've, I've heard great stories about, you know, the, the, the public lands hunting down there, San Jacinto, Worcester, um, all the different places down there, the Salton Sea that had, uh, had good seasons. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of interest in Southern California. There's a lot of duck hunters. Um, and what are you guys doing down there right now as, as, as far as the CWA goes? You guys have new volunteers down there. You have new banquets and dinners being set up. Um, what, but what are you, what are your main, you know, focuses on SoCal? You know, like when people across the country hear Southern California, they don't ever relate no. it with, with hunting. They relate it with the most, probably the most outdoorsy thing they relate it with is surfing. You know, there's mountain climbing down there. There's tons of mountains. There's trails. Skiing. There's hiking. There's snow skiing. There's tons of activity going on down there, including hunting. Yeah. And conservation. Um, what, 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 give me an idea of like, what does CWA look at down south and say, we need to get involved? Is there something that's on the top of your head right now? Yeah. No, I mean, we've done a lot of work down there. We, we've done a lot of habitat work on the wildlife areas down there and some of the private duck clubs. Um, you know, the San Jacinto Wildlife Area, Worcester, we just got a $1 million NACA grant. We're going to put a million dollars of habitat restoration into the Salton Sea. And so that's big. That just came out the last uh, couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. We've got our education programs going there this month. At the end of the month, we're hosting a youth camp um, at one of the uh, Mystic Lake uh, Duck Club down there. Sold out first time in, in several years. It's, it's sold out this, this early. Um, looking at taking some of our classroom education programs down there where we're we're really teaching um, it's our junior duck stamp program so we have education staff that go into classrooms get in front of tens of thousands of kids annually and they're teaching them how to draw a duck just like you know the duck stamp me and you buy you know you have to buy a federal and the state that art so they're teaching that to these kids it's full curriculum teachers love it they get you know our our educators come in and uh, and there is there is the message in that delivery is is that there's a reason behind behind this stamp. You know, as a hunter, you have to purchase a federal and a, and a state duck stamp, and those funds go to conservation. And that's told in the, in the classroom up and down the state, which is great because those kids that probably don't understand the the dollars and, and, and the understanding that hunters hunters, I was always taught that you always put back more than you take, and that's I think that's true of every hunter out there, right? I mean, we all want to see more ducks in the sky next year than we saw this year. And, um, and that's, and that's, a, that's the great part about being a hunter. And I think what you're saying and where I'm going with it or where I'm getting out of it is getting into the legislator, getting a foot in the door in Capitol Hill and being able to go sit down and at least say, look, this is how it's affecting us, but this is also what hunters do. I would, I would be, if I, I am a betting man and I would say that if hunting goes away 
you know, if you keep pissing off the hunter and pushing and pushing and pushing, conservation is going to be affected in a big way. Populations of wildlife are going to be affected in a big way. Habitat is going to be affected in a big way. Water rights, everything that goes into it is going to be affected. It's no secret how much money, elbow grease, sweat equity hunters put in to conservation. And there's all different aspects of conservation that go, you know, uh, you know, we farm for ducks. We have a duck hunting farm, you know, where we, we have different, different crops planted. And yes, we do hunt over it and ducks feed there. Ducks frequent there. They visit there a lot. Well, some of them do die, but a lot of them are getting not just ducks, you know, not just ducks. There's shorebirds, there's predators, there's deer, there's turkey. There's all kinds of stuff that go into those fields and those crops and that flooded, whatever it is, flooded rice, flooded corn. There's arguments on both sides of all this, but if you keep pushing and keep pushing and get one person to say, I'm done hunting, it's, they're pissed. They're, it's just too hard. They're made it to where they're, they're, it's almost impossible to enjoy it. Because you're always scared or you're always thinking that you're going to get talked to or said something to by an anti or your government's going to vote against you and take another right away. I don't want to be scared. I want it to be to where new people are getting involved because they love the lifestyle. They see the passion. They have the most utmost, utmost compassion and respect for these animals that we pursue and harvest. And we understand all different species of animals, whether it's shorebirds, like you guys working with the Autobahn and bird watchers. And, and and a lot of times duck hunters are just what John David Stanley calls glorified bird watchers when, when it's not good, good hunting weather or, you know, mother nature is not cooperating or the, or the migration isn't there yet, or it's halted or slowed or whatever. But I think what I'm trying to say is that if hunters go away and the, and the population of hunters continues to decrease, duck hunters especially is, is one of the biggest ones that decreases it nationally. In, in California, you guys have a huge amount of duck hunters in that state. Let's not let it be forgotten that as far as harvest goes, you guys are always in the top three. Duck stamps, you're in the top two, I believe, right? Yep. Most duck hunters in the field, I think you're number one. Um, we should listen to California. So if you keep pushing on the hunter and you get people that currently hunt to go away, you should be saying, we need to get people that don't hunt to come on and hunt and get into conservation and get into this lifestyle more because it's good for the animals. It's good for the environment. It's good for conservation, right? And where you guys have programs set up to do just that. One of the ones that I'm thinking of is one that I took that took place in our lives two years ago with the University of California at Davis. UC Davis. That's not a very conservative school. That's not a school that's full. The campus is full of hunters and shooters and guys that, you know, when you think of schools that are, you know, DU has a lot of chapters across schools, Texas A&M, North Dakota, South Dakota, Fort Collins, in places where, you know, hunting is the, you know, the lifestyle. When you think of Davis or Berkeley, you don't think hunt duck hunting or deer hunting, but this program, this college program, we were out in the field with 15 or 20 college students that never hunted, they, they're in biology. They're taking waterfowl biology courses. And I want you to explain this. They're invited out. Um, you, yeah. Mr. Paul Bonnerson helps out with this at, at Bird Haven in the, close to the Butte Sink. But tell me about that college program. And what I want you to relate it, Scott, is CWA is constantly trying to get new hunters involved, whether it's through your youth programs, your hunt program, which we're going to get into, your women of the outdoors and hunting program, if it's all females and getting them associated with the lifestyle. And now you're talking about college kids that weren't even brought up or raised to ever hold a gun or call a duck. And I saw people crying out in the duck blind because they loved it so much. So tell me about that program. Yeah, it's a great program. So we started uh, our college uh, camp, UC Davis College Camp, 11 years ago. We just had our 11th year this year. 
great program and it's just it just tells a story i think that that as hunters we need to to make sure that we tell the to those non-hunters out there so we the kids are they're all they're like you said they're all studying to be the next wildlife managers at at your state or public or a, a federal um refuge or work for the government to do they're, they're going to manage our resource right the resource we love so much and so they're in they're in these classes and they're getting that degree and they have to write this essay that says why they want to partake in this weekend they know going into it that it is a hunt there is going to be a hunt they're going to be asked to to grab a shotgun they're going to be taught how to shot they're going to get their hunting license and they and we we want to go after and, and have people there that have never had that experience so we select a, a handful of them and uh, from like like you said, UC Davis is uh, probably the second most liberal college in in the universe or the in the country. You know, second to Berkeley. And these kids, a lot of them, a lot of a lot of young ladies, uh, come out. So they write this essay. They come in on on Friday. They start their uh, process of getting their their uh, hunting license. They go through a, a hunter education, and they do. They actually, you know, take them on the range. We get them. We get them uh, shotgun trained real quick. And the cool thing is, is that, you know, you know, Paul Bonnerson, no, Paul Bonnerson is the former president of Ducks Unlimited. It's a great partnership event that we do with DU and other organizations. John Eady from the University of California, Davis professor there. Great, great cooperation of folks there. And they take him out and, and, and Paul, there's a, ton, there's a ton of folks like Paul, but Paul has three duck clubs right there in the Butte Sink. They're all one. The millions of dollars that he puts into this, to these. And he clubs. doesn't have to. No. He made a lot a good living. He made money, which yep. that's the American dream. He could take that money and go do whatever in the hell he wanted to do with those millions he made. And his loves his love. And you talk to Paul Bonnerson, you wouldn't know he had a dime. Yeah. And you look at what he does for kids, and I want you to keep going on this, yeah. but Paul Bonnerson doesn't have to be taking that money, and that's the heart of a hunter. His first passion is ducks. Yep. He was Absolutely. the national president of Ducks Unlimited. I mean, he flies all over the country talking about ducks. Yeah. And so he, so now you're at Bird Haven with these kids, and he's already reached out and said, you can do this here every year. This is Bird Haven is open to you guys yeah, we, to do this college program, right? And, and other programs we do there. You Lots know, we, of other ones. Yeah. And the cool thing is when they, they take him out and Paul's there on the tour, they do a tour of the property, and they see the hundreds, if not millions, of, of waterfowl there, and they start talking about how many species use the property in the, in the, in the hunting season and, and how many ducks, how many geese, how many, you know, uh, swans and all the other uh, other creatures that benefit from this wetlands. And then they start talking about how many ducks they harvest a year. And these these college kids just, they're just dumbfounded by, you mean you spend all this money and you're telling me you, you harvest a few thousand birds a year? That's it? And so their perception but, but of how many out of how many though visit that property oh, just millions, that property millions millions yeah I mean at any given time there's just you know ducks that come in and geese and, and other other species but and so that's a real that's just real fact for them that they've never heard you know they just you know it's, you know it's it's unfortunate but you know hunting has the you know little bubba drinking beer in the duck line or whatever that is that people might have a perception of it and that's not hunting that's not duck hunters that's not who we are and so they get to understand that. What it, what it really means to be a conservationist and what we're doing as hunters to give back more than we're taking. So they, they learn that lesson on, on, I think it's Friday or Saturday morning they go out. So they get their hunting license, and, and then Sunday's the hunt. They're paired up with professionals. But first, um, don't forget this part because this is important to me. Oh, Guns. Yep. Gun safety. Yep. Gun handling. 
your way around a gun. And the hours that are spent on that Saturday after they take their hunter safety test and they learn about the property and the management and the conservation, now it's like, hey, don't just go swinging these gun-toting, you know, be a gun-toting college kid out there. I've watched that that course of what they're learning with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And it's it's un- unbelievable. Yeah. And they're like mystified. They're like, oh my gosh. And then the first time they get up there, go ahead. Like that Saturday when they get up on that stand to shoot those targets, they're just like in a different world. It's completely changes their life. Absolutely. I mean, they get up there it's the first time. A lot of them, like I said, have pulled the trigger, you know, and it, it is most of them. And, and, you know, gun safety, we all know as hunters is number one, you know, you know, and, and we teach them that vigorously. They go through the full course of hunter safety, but then when they get to that range, you know, we obviously we have, the right professionals there to make sure that they're safe. And then we teach them how to, how to lead a target and pull the trigger. And, and, you know, anytime you see somebody that's the first time they've been on the range, nine times out of 10, they're just blown away and they're sold from that minute forward. They're like, wow, this is what it, this is what it means to shoot a gun. And it's not something scary. It's a, it's a, it's a great activity and and, and you really get them right there. And uh, so they, they go through that. And another great part that don't want to don't want to um, blow past is we we feed them game. They get to eat some of the ducks that they're going to harvest on Sunday. Learn, they and learn how the, to butcher the tra- them. Yeah, the I know you came down to cook some on the Traeger for us, and and uh, you know they get the yeah they get to butcher them. They get classes on how to butcher them. But you know really, let's face it, one of the, getting to somebody's heart and soul, you feed them a good meal, and that's a great way to get there. And that's what that to me is. The huge part of duck hunting is 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 being able to not just go out and do it and see the mother nature and wake the marsh waking up, but to actually harvest that that animal and then take it home and, and eat it. And I mean that's 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 just a. I've said it before, and I don't ever like to sound like I'm on a, a you know preaching or on a soapbox, but I don't know if there's a cooler way or a cooler thing in life in, in, to be. I don't know if you could ever persuade me that there is a cooler human being out there that can go out and set the hunt, be successful, do it right, do it with ethics, do it with compassion, do it with respect, bring those birds back and butcher them and process them and cook them and feed them and put them on the table. And you see the, 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 the results of friends and family being able to, you know, enjoy that bounty. I don't know if that you, I don't, you would have a really hard time persuading me that there's any cooler person in the world. Yeah. And that's what those kids see. They're like, I'm not interrupting you, but the girl that I took out, she was like, oh my God, this is unreal. And with the coolest part about it, I'll finish. Remind me to tell you what she told me at, you know, a year after our hunt. Um, but so they learn how to shoot. They learn their way around the bird, the, the biological makeup of it, the feathers and the, and the flight feathers and all of the, fe- different and everything, species, the yeah. different species and identification and, and a teal compared to a redhead compared to a, a mallard compared to a sprig, which has become pretty much, you know, the, the bird of California. It's on your guys' logo, the, the, the Northern pintail. So then, then, then it's the morning of the hunt. And, but you know, one of the things that I really liked was the night before the morning of the hunt, when everybody got into that room after dinner and they're, and they're, and they're talking about, you know, to people that have been there and they've experienced it and you're getting to share your passion with them and they still don't really know what to expect until that next morning and that boat ride and that four wheeler ride and that dog and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, they go through the, the full gamut. We, we wake them up, we, we paint their faces up with, uh, with black paint and get them all ready. They, you know, thanks to partners like Bandit, they get to put on some great, great, great gear to get out there and stay warm, stay clean or stay dry. And, uh, and, and we get them in the duck blind and we pair them with, like I said, professionals, one, usually one student per, per blind. 
And, and as I've guided it before, the first two years we did, I was a, I was a guide there and, you know, we're, they're there to have the experience, but, but part of the experience is if they're not going to shoot a duck, we are because they need to, they need to understand that. And, and most of them, most of them get to that point where they're okay and, and do that. And, and in fact, beyond that, you know, we have, it's interesting because we've had, you know, from Davis, we've had vegans and, and, and vegetarians and folks that, you know, and they go out on this hunt and they're like, I'm okay to do this because I know this, this animal's wild. There's no, you know, no, no, no GMOs or whatever the, you know, the meat, the reason why they don't eat meat in the store. And so you, you get them out there and, and they take their first duck and the, you, there are mixed emotions you know, a lot of them end up crying because it's, you know, you're, you're taking a life. We can't take that too lightly. You know, you are, we're out there, we're, we're killing an animal and you got to have respect for that animal. And uh, a lot of them cry, a lot of them are excited, you know, and, and they get to go out and, and fetch that, fetch that bird up or, and, and be a part of that process. And, and, uh, and it's just a, an unbelievable thing. And the, the, the cool thing is, is they, that we get the essays back. They have to, they write an essay before and they write an essay after. And those essays that we get back are just, you can just tell that we transformed those 15 people's minds. And you know what? They don't have to become a hunter. That's not our goal with this. It's not to, not to, not to make sure that every one of them is out there hunting, but those that want to, we, we try to make sure that we give them opportunities to do that. And we, and we do have a lot of them that come back and say, Hey, how do I do this? You know, they're at UC Davis right there is Vic Fazio wildlife area. It's a state run area. You can go out there for $12 and do this. And you know, that might be, uh, you know, a big task. But we try to get mentors for them and maybe try to get them on a, a hunt. Cause as we know, it's not one and done with hunting. If you're going to try to get somebody in to, to what we love, you have to spend the time as a mentor to get them out there, show them how to do it right. Help them identify the bird. So it's a great, you know, it's a, just one of our great success stories with our programs. And it's, it's really, uh, you know, and the, and the biggest uh, flattery behind this, this program is, is that it's being, it's being copied across the United States. There are other colleges that, that are doing this exact program. And it's, it's, it's because of, uh, of what we started 11 years ago. So. And I think it's incredible. And that, that right there is that program right there alone. If somebody came out, whether you're a writer or just somebody to sit in watch it and just you know just mirror it and shadow it for that three days you come away there going this organization is is hitting on all of these different platforms and they're now they're bringing people that are 18 20 years old that were never even thinking about becoming a hunter and i get paired up with a girl named mandy southern california san diego girl another place that you don't associate with duck hunting Mm -hmm. unless you're really in the lifestyle and you understand what they have down there she we're talking the night before. She doesn't know what to expect. She goes, I love shooting the gun. It was so awesome. I saw her eyes when, when everybody was, you know, doing the processing and the butchering part of it. And we get out there in a box blind and I, I, I saw her go from curious and, and wondering what's up to the most intense, focused, having fun conversation, asking questions, wanting to learn, asking what duck that was, why she kept asking me, Chad, why do you keep talking about the low ceiling? What do you mean? Everybody tells me that this was going to be a ducky day. And I'm like, well, my opinion, it's not a ducky day. And here's why. And I taught her about the wind and the motion and the jerk string and the ripples. And she's just sitting there soaking it all in. Then the sprig comes over and she smokes a, a sprig with a good stinger on it. I call it stingers. We call them a sprig, whatever. She cries. The dog brings it back. 
50 pictures, selfies, selfies with me and her. She's texting them to people already. And she says, I'm hooked. I need waiters. I need everything. She, what, what does she do? She wants to go on another hunt. She goes down to San Diego. Her boyfriend has never hunted. She gets him into it, which how awesome is that? How, what a cooler story than a female actually gets a male into it because she goes out and learns how to hunt. And now she brings in another male to bring in. And now they're a family that hunts. You know, I don't know where they're going with family or marriage or kids or whatever, but it doesn't matter. They both got into hunting because of that program, because that program was done right. And the right part of the lifestyle was, I think taught is the right word. It was taught to them. Like, this is what we're about. Here's what hunters do. This is the compassion, the heart of the hunter. And they were educated and enlightened really on this is going on. And then when I said, we do this every day of the season from early September, if you go to Canada all the way through, you know, you can go all the way through April now with snow goose hunts. And she's like, this is amazing. And I'm like, it doesn't end there. I told her, I said, there's, there's so many part pieces of this puzzle that go into it that you can get involved in. And they're, they're educated enough to understand I need to be involved in more. And Mandy was, and I'm not going to say her last name, but she became a duck hunter because of that UC Davis program. And you talk about the hunt programs. That's just one of them. I mean, you talk about the youth programs that I've been to there that are getting kids younger than that fired up about vocalizations and duck calling and identification and safety and boating and life jackets and, and hunting and, and building blinds and brushing blinds and, 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 I, I, you just, you go to those kids programs and you're like, did your parent hunt? No. Uh, my uncle got me involved in this deal. I, I learned about this and I, my uncle told, you know, told me Rocky's really good at that of taking kids that their parents might not necessarily hunt and getting them into these CWA programs. The point is, is that whether you're into the early stages of your hunting career, the mid stages, you've never done it. You want to do it. You're thinking about doing it. You're scared to do it. Whatever the, you know, whatever it is, CWA has something for everybody to experience, right? To say, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you you touched a little bit on the hunt program. I want to go back one follow up to the UC Davis, which is really cool because this just happened. So we have a UC Davis chapter, a dinner and it's run by AGR, um, bunch of kids still in college and, um, some that have graduated. And anyway, we, at that dinner for the last several years, we get people to sponsor tickets and we get some of those kids that have gone through the camps and they're in those programs to come to a fundraising dinner and say, Hey, this is, this is part of the process of being a hunter is go to these, go to these dinners, support them. These dollars that are raised here are, are important for the conservation work that you saw and, and everything is a hundred uh, programs that we're doing or, you know, that this is what pays for it. So we just had our, our UC Davis chapter and, and we actually moved it to Dixon because it was got so big and we had 60 kids there. 60 kids from UC Davis that came out. I think one of them won a gun. And, uh, you know, it's just, it just kind of, like you said, cracking into this lifestyle, understanding what it's about. It's not just about walking out and, and hunting one, one morning. It's, it's, it's a commitment. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the programs we try to try to offer is mentioned it before California water for our core, our center, you know, you look at a Venn diagram, what we're about is waterfowl hunting. All of our programs are wrapped around that whether it's conservation education programs, our hunt program, our lobbying. So we really, everything we do protects the core, which is hunting. And, uh, you know, one of the things that is that, you know, this is, this is something that's a national thing now. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called R3, recruit, retain, and reintroduce. 
the, the three R's of getting people into hunting and, and getting retaining new hunters, getting new ones. And um, in our programs, we've been doing these programs for years that all feed into that philosophy. One of the biggest problems with hunting is access. You know, um, people don't know how to get out there and do it or they don't have access or whatever. So one of the programs that we started about seven years ago is our hunt program. Feeds right into taking those kids to camp in the summer or, or adults and then finding a place for them to actually go hunt. So we as an organization are pretty unique in that we own six duck clubs that have been donated to us or we've acquired, however we've got them. And we hunt on those properties, almost 3,000 people a year. 3,000. That's the same amount as Howard Slough Wildlife Area, which is a which is a medium-sized state public land area. So that's the kind of access that we're providing at a very inexpensive price. You know, it's a and and getting the and it's about the quality explain that, experience. Explain that to me though. If I Sanborn Slough is one of these. Yep. You guys just acquired the Sanborn yep. Slough. Awesome piece of property. It's close to the, it's in the Butte Sink. Yep. People live their whole lives wanting to hunt in the Butte Sink, Absolutely. and now CWA goes in there. Through your programs, through your a, a ability to raise money through volunteers, through donors, through your different banquets, initiatives, auctions, live auctions, silent auctions, raffles, you guys get to purchase these places where they're going to be purchased by somebody. You guys purchase them, and you're like, people are like, oh, the CWA is just going to, you know, they're they're not for your, they're not just for your members to hunt. They're not just for your employees to hunt. You don't go out there and hunt every day and, and get to hunt every day. It's to introduce new people to the outdoors and tell me, how does a father bring his daughter? How does a mother bring her son? How does somebody get involved to be able to get invited to go hunt on one of these properties? Yeah. So there's the, you know, we're hunting on Wednesday, Saturdays and Sundays, traditional shoot days. Um, couple ways there's some camps that are wrapped around that where you're going to come for a weekend and part of that weekend is is a hunt um or the the biggest use of them is the hunt program it's an application process people can apply one time per hunt opportunity and it's a five dollar fee to apply you have to be a member if you get drawn you get drawn you get to go on a hunt you show up in the morning there's a there's a really small fee um and that's just basically to commit people you know we want we want to we want to make sure that Every time we open those properties up on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're maximizing hunters in the field. We don't want a blind to sit there empty because, like you said, get to hunt in the Butte Sink. I mean, there's some there's some uh, public land there, but to go on a private, you know, Sanborn Slough, you jump in a boat, you know, you, you go out to a blind that's all dressed up. There's Avery decoys sitting there, three dozen decoys that you put out. It's a different experience. If, you're, if you get to go on one of these, you're lucky enough to do that, you're hooked from there right it's 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 creme to the creme as far as experience goes and they're you know and that's the kind of opportunities that we're trying to provide yeah we want to make sure that people know that they're welcome to come and do this through the cwa now Absolutely. there is a such thing as spoiling a hunter and you know your first yeah. hunt you get to go you know just because you're going to sanborn and the butte sink doesn't mean you're going to have a lights out quote unquote yeah. world-class hunt it's going to be hunting your opportunity to have a, an unbelievable shoot could be there in the Butte Sink with all of the ducks that are that frequent that area and come there through the migration of the Pacific Flyway. If you do happen to be on one of those hunts that you go in there and your kid or, you know, your spouse or whoever's being introduced to the outdoors has an extraordinary hunt, CWA does a good job in educating them on more throughout that hunt. Like, not every hunt is like this. Here's what's going on. Here's the bird identification part. You guys are always trying to make sure that they understand that there is different moving parts of this 
this lifestyle. And that's the hunt program just isn't, oh, just come out and hunt and pull the trigger a bunch is my point. Yeah. There's a huge part of the CWA or a big initiative of the CWA is getting that message to them that this is a lifestyle. This first and foremost is fun. Second of all, it's good for the animals. And here's why. Third of all, there's a lot of laws that go along with it. You can't just come out here and think that you're just going to be shooting at everything. You got to identify shorebirds. You got to identify birds that you might only be able to include one in your daily limit or your possession limit. A sprig you had two this year, right? Yep. It's going to one, which is so weird. I nobody can sit here and tell me why. I'm, I don't even want to get into it because it's going <laughs> to irritate the shit out of both of us. Yeah. Working on that, by the way. I know you're working on that, yeah. and you should be. And it's like, I, I just am like, one sprig in California makes no sense. Don't get it. But maybe a biologist could sit here and tell me different. I don't know. But for sure, that hunt program is so beneficial in what you said in that R cube, that R3, getting people new hunters, you know, making sure that hunters that are doing it are are either reintroduced or they're rejuvenated, they're re-energized over the lifestyle and part of the hunt program also with that Samburn Samburn Slough deal is that you said it in, in the Davis thing is that a lot of these things have moved into different parts of the country. They've moved into different agencies. They've moved into different, um, you know, whether it's another conservation agency, another college campus. There's a lot of people that are introducing some of these traits that the CWA has been doing in different parts of the country. So is it safe to say that in the last 60 months, the last five years, it's gone from a grassroots California-based conservation agency to more of a hybrid to where it might not necessarily just be, it's got California in the title, which makes people go, oh, it's California. But it's, it's, is it a hybrid at all yet? Is it a national brand? Is it, is it starting to spread to where people are starting to hear that voice across the country more because of initiatives like the UC Davis, the concert, you know, the, the hunt program, we haven't even got into egg salvage, which yeah. I absolutely love, but I know that takes place in different parts of the country. Is it becoming more of a hybrid? You think? Yeah, I think, you know, as, as we try to spread our message out, you know, across California and across the U S I mean, you know, our programs and what we do are pretty unique in, in to our organization and to any organization. We, I don't think there's any other organization that does everything that we do all wrapped into one, one mission and, and, and one staff and a bunch of volunteers. So yeah, you know, our, we're definitely, you know, the college camp is just one, one example of, of something that kind of spreads across the East. And, you know, unfortunately the politics, you know, I mean, we, we have to pay, you have to pay attention. If you live in another state, you should be paying attention to what's going on in California. And, uh, and cause you know, you don't want it to come your way. What do you mean? You, I can't just have the attitude like <laughs> glad I don't live in California. No, I mean, it's, it's right? it, you, you got to pay attention. You got, you have to, I mean, we, you know, we, we're a small population of folks, right? I mean, hunting, hunting is not a big a majority of anything. And, uh, but as a whole, we're a pretty big group of people and to when you can stay connected. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, it's California politics and yeah, there's a lot of negativity about that, you know, and, and, uh, but you know, if, if you, if you're concerned in any of the neighboring States, you should pay attention to what's going on. Cause I've seen some of the same things tr go North to Oregon, Nevada, probably here, probably, you know, wherever. And, no, not probably. It's it, here. It's, yeah, it's not, uh, need to pay attention. So why, why, if I live in South Dakota in the, you know, in the, the breeding grounds, the duck factory, North Dakota, I'm a duck hunter up there, a waterfowl hunter, love the lifestyle. 
25 bucks a year? What's it give me? What, I mean, what, what does it take to be a member of CWA on a yearly basis? It's $35 a year, and you get we put out a quarterly magazine, which is phenomenal, covers a, a lot of our programs, um, great great stuff in there. Um, and, you know, obviously we do the, you know, you get a hat or you do something like that. But I think it's, I think we have a lot of members outside of California. I don't have the exact numbers, on, but, but you'd be surprised at, at what we hear. From those people that stay connected, that get that magazine, that just I just want to get the magazine. I love it, and uh, and and they love what we're doing. So I think locally, you know, whether you're a member of CWA or 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 you have a local group, I think the, the types of programs that we're running are types of programs that need to be administered across the whole United States, and they are in certain cases. But those are the programs I think that, that like you said, the ability to get new people into it, because one of the things in in that the R three movement did say is. Kids are great. We all want to give kids the great opportunities. You know, get them in the outdoors, get them away from, get them away from the cell phones and the games and whatever that is. But the reality is, is that the focus is on adults. Is that as that as an organization, um, we're trying to put more resources into getting adults in the field. You mentioned becoming outdoor woman. That's a national organization. It's probably all over the the country, and each each state has its own little chapter, so to speak. Well. We, we basically, we took that over several years ago. So becoming outdoor woman in California is a California waterfall program. And that's, that's focused on getting ladies out in the outdoors, adult women. And, um, and really the, the, the kind of philosophy or the, the thought process behind getting adults into it, A, there's a lot of them that want to, that, that don't know how to, they didn't have a, a father or a mother or a, a grandfather that hunted and they just, they want to do it, uh, but they don't know how is that you get those people into it. And if they have kids, you're going to get the kids. You're going to get their kids involved because they're going to pass that down. Um, and if they have kids, when they do have kids, they'll, they'll certainly, you know, pass it on. So, you know, it's kind of a, a focus is, is to make sure that we're, uh, we're providing those adult opportunities because those, you know, our, our Becoming Outdoor Woman programs, I mean, if you're not on, when we release the, the date and, and, and put on our website, hey, we're taking signups, they sell out so quickly. So quick. There's so much demand, you know. and, and Which is great. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, that's why, you know, we're – you know, we talked about where we're going the next five years. We'd like to do more. And, you know, the bottom line is it takes a resource. There's it takes a per- that's the perfect thing right there. Yep. There's We want to do more. Yep. So those people that don't live in California, they might not necessarily be able to jump on a plane or get in a rig and come over to a banquet or come over to a volunteer program or come over and help at a camp or instruct whatever you guys need physically. They might never show up. They might not, even though they're more than welcome to come hunt in California, get involved as a member and, and hunt Sanborn and, and one of your other hunt camps. What does that $35 a year, let's say that this gets out to 10,000 duck hunters. There's 2 million duck hunters in the country. Let's say it gets out to 10,000 people today that are on the verge of like, man, I, 35 bucks, $35. It's not enough to fill up most gas tanks and trucks that duck hunters drive. It's sure as hell ain't enough to buy a box of ammo barely anymore. It's 35 bucks. We're spending that as duck hunters on everything we do, including snacks at the local convenience store every morning when we meet our buddies to go to the blind. $35 for 365 days a year to be a member, get that quarterly magazine, four magazines a year, get that decal to proudly put on your back window or your trailer or your skateboard. Cause I love skating and I have a skateboard with tons <laughs> of decal. I just ordered some new pal and parole to do. I got to tell you about that. You're a California guy. You love bones brigade, right? I'm a skater. I love skating. I can ollie really high, but back to duck hunting thing. I know I just threw you off there for a second, but I was thinking like, I want to put a CWA sticker on my skateboard. That's pretty badass. I know a lot of crossover guys that skateboard and duck hunt 
35 bucks times 10,000 is a lot of money. I'm not good at math. But what does that do for you? It helps you for the next, these things that you want to accomplish in the next five years. You have to have money to do it. $35 from a bunch of duck hunters isn't that much money to help out West that's moving East. That's been my whole point is it's 35 bucks. We're not asking you to write a $10,000 check. It's $35 for the year. And if you want, you can split that up and send it in four different times. I don't care what you do, but 35 bucks and you get enough people that put that money in and and become part of that voice. Now that next five years doesn't seem so far away with the goals you want to reach. Right? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the first thing it does is, is, is gives us numbers, right? We have, when we can say how many membership we have that in the capital, that, that there's a weight there in that. And like you said, if, you should pay attention to California. You know, it, it is, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. But like you said, I mean, for that $35, it, it helps us out a ton to be able to do what we do. If we grow our membership and doubled it tomorrow, I mean, that, that would be, you know, instant. We could do more programs for kids. We could do more programs for adults. What, endless supply of stuff we could do. So, like I said, I mean, the, the, our programs, there's no shortage of people that want to be part of it. And it's unfortunate that we can't offer it more, you know, and uh, as an organization, you know, we hope to grow our properties in, in the next you know, future and, and get, be able to have other, other um, places to take them. And, you know, we talked about the Butte Sink a lot, but gosh, we're down in Bakersfield. You know, we have a, a property down there that we offer a hunt program on. We do a lot of pheasant hunting out there and dove hunting too. So it's, you know, that's an hour and a half from uh, Los Angeles. You know, I, want to, I want to make it clear though. Duck hunters and goose hunters and and conservationists across the country, it's $35 a year. And that goes a long way when it multiplies with the voice that we have and the voice that the CWA, California Waterfowl Association, gives us. Again, in the Capitol, in legislature, with the government affairs, with conservation efforts, water rights, farming, farm bills, everything that you guys participate in. $35. $35. We as duck hunters need to support California because a lot of stuff starts there. Most stuff starts there. It's not that we're sitting here saying that California is the end all, but we're saying that if you really start breaking it down and investigate, if you did a forensic audit on this, you would really see that what Scott and John Carlson, the president and people on your board of directors and what you guys are saying is true. It's really freaking happening. So I want duck hunters to know like, Hey, Send the 35 bucks, become a member of CWA and start there, support them. It doesn't mean you got to go volunteer. You're probably, like I said, you might never go to an event, but still, Scott, I want to stress that it's 35 bucks as duck hunters. We know we have that laying in our, you know, we're laying around somewhere because we spend a lot more than that to enjoy this lifestyle. I'm not saying that everybody just has a bunch of cash and disposable income that they can just send money. But if you have an extra $35 instead of that's just a couple stops at the convenience store. Eat a banana. Yeah, makes a couple. Make I don't know if duck hunters do they drink coffee at Starbucks in California? They do, don't they? (laughs) But think about that. Like if they just saved up a couple of their convenience store stops and supported this and investigated what that thirty five dollars is going to, let's help out the CWA and become at least double the membership. Let's go to forty five thousand members and by by twenty twenty, which is the seventy fifth anniversary of CWA. You guys are getting ready to move into your 75th year as a conservation agency and organization. That's no joke. Let's get doubled. By 2020, I want to be able to announce at the 75th anniversary that's going to happen in Reno, Nevada, from what I'm hearing, which is weird to me, but I love it because Reno's awesome. Let's announce it, that we doubled our membership 
between 2019, the end of 2018 and the, the, of August of 2020, that's gotta be an initiative because that membership doubles with people from across the country getting involved. It's not costing that much money. And now our voice is even bigger Mm -hmm. when we go to Capitol Hill, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, our numbers, we have, like you said, 20, 22, 25,000 members in just take California as a whole. I mean, there's almost 300,000 hunting licenses sold in California. And like I said, 70,000 duck stamps. It's, it's, it's really a shame that, that, that every, at a minimum, every duck hunter, um, becomes a member of the organization to stay plugged in. But I don't want to stop there. You know, there's stuff specifically, all of this stuff is crossover. If you're a gun owner, if you hunt doves, deer, you don't hunt ducks, it's an organization you should be part of. I mean, I, I, I don't just say that because I'm working there and I've been there for almost 20 years. You know, I wouldn't have stayed in this organization had I not believed in our mission, believed in the people that are behind it. But, you know, it can't, duck hunters are not going to solve the problems in California. We need everybody behind us. And, uh, you know, let's not stop at duck hunters in California. You know, if you're a shooter, if you go to the range, you know, these ammo, ammo laws we just talked about, that's going to affect you. We're fighting that. You know, we're fighting that for everybody, not yeah. just duck hunters. Which is that right there, that point right there is enough for 35 bucks to be being mailed in right now. Absolutely. And it's, it's not like we're sitting here. We don't need to beg for money. The nope. CWA is stout. You guys have some, some unbelievable support with businessmen and corporations and corporate partners such as, such as Federal, such as Banded, Avery and Greenhead Gear. Um, I, I know that there's another sport one, dog. sport dog getting mm-hmm. ready to come on. You're talking to Yukonuba right now. You're talking to different companies. You have more than that. What's that? Benelli. Benelli we're talking to right now. You have some stout partners in this voice. I'm just saying that everyday duck hunters that live this life, that are on these forums, that have stickers on their truck and their trailer, and they got their waterfowl groups and, and all of these names, and they take so much pride, and they get hoodies made. Man, become a member and go online and buy a CWA hoodie and wear that in your next picture with your buddies to show that you understand what the voice of a duck hunter means and where it's needed and how, how it's needed and why it's so needed at this time right now with all of the threatening things happening to our lifestyle, period. Not going to go away. It ain't negative. It's real. It's yep. just real life. We, we are very, very sought after as people wanting us to go away, and we need people to stand up and, you know, like just have a voice in this, you know, like really they don't, you don't need to go preach. You don't need to go get it, get in front of a bunch of people and, and tell them your opinion, just your little check and your, and your commitment and your loyalty to the CWA is all they're asking for. There's other people that are well-suited and suited to go out and say, and talk in front of a crowd or talk to Senator Barry Hill or go on Capitol Hill or whatever it is. There's people that were cut out for that. We're not asking for that. We're just asking for the help and the voice. And I want to double the, 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 organization's membership between now and August of 2020. That's our goal. So we're going to have 45,000 members by the, by the convention. That's our goal. We're announcing it here. We're going to announce it on the foul life. We're going to announce it, everything that we have with a bunch of our different partners. I just thought of that. That's what I want to, I want to see that because now listening to you, I understand how important membership is how important those funds are, how important that voice is, how important that support is. You go to Capitol Hill and you say, well, we got 19 members. No, we got 50,000 people that support this. And here's how many states that 50,000 represents. It ain't just California that's supporting this. This is, this is, we got a big voice in this and that's what, that's important. That just became really important to me. So, um, I think that that is a good start to getting people to understand this is moving East. 
and it does it's going to affect all of us no matter we want, no matter if we want to admit it or not it's going to affect us in one way or the other the things that you guys are fighting for so us as duck hunters turkey hunters quail hunters pheasant hunters deer hunters sheep hunters no matter what you hunt your guys' gun rights are being threatened I say you guys in California, but it's going to spread east. Oh, yeah. If you guys are fighting it and you guys are the, our voice for it out there where it's starting, then we need to support that, period. Period. That's all there is to it. And is it national? Not considered national, but it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid, and that's what's cool. It's got California in it, but maybe we start something like the CWA National, CWA Nation, the, the California Waterfowl Nation. I'm just kidding, but I think it's all – I think that – that if people hear that, I'm serious about that. That needs to that needs to be known that we need to double that membership. It's important. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. How do we do it? Well, you go to our website. The easiest way to do it is go to our website and calwaterfowl.org and uh, go sign up. It's it's really easy. Take a credit card. I mean, we will even set it up so you can do a recurring. So every year it comes out. Don't have to wait for a renewal notice and and uh, get your process soon and get you that magazine and. Really, really, it's 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 about getting involved, whatever that is, and and being a member of Cal Waterfowl as a start. I'm a life member, yeah, you and are. I'm proud to say it. I mean, I I've spoke at your conventions. I've been a part of different things at Capitol Hill. I've met with Mr. Barry Hill. We've we've showcased a lot of the different initiatives by CWA on the Fowl Life. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to be a life member. I'm there because I live next to the state. I hunt in the state. I'm friends with a lot of you guys, and I understand the mission. 35 bucks from enough people is going to give us the ability to double that membership and have a bigger voice, and that's all that matters. Got to have a bigger voice. Got to have more support. Got to have more loyalty. That's It's period. That's all yeah. we're asking for across the country. We're not asking for you to come out and do any of the manual labor. Just need, We just need your support and your money, and not that much money. Mm-hmm. If you want to write a check for bigger money, you know, we can talk about that. There's different levels of membership in the CWA. Correct. There truly is. And life membership is one of them. There's even bigger ones than that that people do. And I'm just blown away by their generosity when I go to these luncheons and these dinners when you guys give back and, and show these guys that you truly appreciate their support. I'm like, they did what? You're like, wow, that's strong. And that's what philanthropy is all about. Ken Hoffman was the best at it, how much he gave back. He was a huge supporter of the CWA. Rest in peace, Mr. Hoffman. We could talk about Ken and what he did in his career and passed away at over 93 years old. And he was still working for the CWA in his 90s. Not full-time working. He was just working for them and supporting them. And that's pretty freaking badass. When you have somebody with that much tenacity and that much success, and they conquered the business world in so many different ways, and he's still waking up in the morning figuring out how he can help conservation and the flyaway center and everything that he's get, that his team's getting ready to embark on, that's that, that should be decisive enough right there. If I'm a 21-year-old duck hunter, I'm doing it. I'm involved because that's that it shows me that that's the path to success is having that mentality to help out an organization like that. Absolutely. That's all that needs to be said as far as why you should get involved. Look up Ken Hoffman and see what he did in life. And he supported the CWA wholeheartedly. There's a lot of other individuals. I didn't mean just to pick one, but he comes to mind because getting to sit down and talk with him and eat dinner and watch him eat a fully plucked, badass, smoked off the Traeger canvas back and tell me that the canvas back was his favorite duck to eat. I was just like, man, I love this guy. Learned so much. And I've met with him three or four times through you and Rocky and turned out to be awesome. But um, I'm going to read some things real quick and I want you to listen to them. And then I want you to give me the short version 
answer, reply, comment of what it means in layman's terms or, you know, why it's going on. And uh, this is a pretty cool deal right here from March 1st, 2019. We envision a California with thriving waterfowl populations, vibrant wetland ecosystems, and respected hunting communities. Here's what CWA, California Waterfowl, did in 2018-19 to advance that vision. We perform work on 20,737 acres of wetland, riparian, and grassland habitats in 2018, including creating and restoring 561 acres of wetland areas, creating or improving 588 acres of breeding habitat, work benefiting almost 8,000 acres of public hunting areas. Real quick, why? Is, why is that on the top of that list? Why is the habitat and the work that you guys are doing daily on the actual land and where these ducks are breeding and surviving and living, why is, why is that on the top of the list? What did you guys do? What did you do and why? I think for us, the why is we're, we're doing everything we can do to protect hunting. And everything you just mentioned there, our focus is on duck hunting, whether it's conserving habitat, the acres we do, the, the why behind the acres. I mean, California is a unique landscape. We have millions of waterfowl coming down to use it. There's wetlands all the way from the Oregon border down into Mexico. And we work on every bit of that landscape, both public and private. Half of those acres you just read out is on public lands. We make sure that we, we, we touch both private and, and uh, public equally. And uh, the biggest thing that, you know, that I take away, and, and I, I'm going to keep pounding on this, is that what we do in, in those numbers that's in that fact sheet you, you're reading off, it's all to protect hunting. It all goes back to the center of hunting. So Our staff oversaw the completion of 68 individual projects. In one year, 68 individual projects. Give me an example of one on the, on the low end and give me an example of one on the high end as far as the, extension, the extensiveness of you know, the complexity of the project. Well, they're, they're all pretty complex, but I mean, we can, we can work on 20 acres at, at, at somebody's private duck club and, and, uh, a lot of that is water delivery. You know, California is a water's gold and, and changing the landscape. There's a lot of different things that are going on in the, in the wetland management side. So, you know, coming into a, a 20 acre field and, and, and really creating the, the, the systems to which you can make that, that acreage thrive with whether it's, uh, you know, whatever landscape you're in, the food for the ducks, growing food for ducks is the biggest thing in California, you know, the, the wintering habitat that we can provide. And then the big, the big scale, you know, we haven't, we haven't started the work, but, you know, just talked about a million dollar, million dollars worth of work that's going to happen in the Salton Sea wildlife area. A million bucks we're going to go down there in the next couple of years and spend on habitat and, and improve that. So, um, and, and we do that up and down the state, Northeast California, work a lot up there in the Butte Sink and in Sacramento Valley. Uh, Tulare Basin, we're a great, great uh, biologist down there that works on those those clubs and and those refuges down there. And so, you know, we're we're all over the state. We don't just focus our area in our you know we're in Sacramento. It's not all in our backyard. It's up and down the state because the state is a huge state, has five different zones for hunting, five different five different separate zones, and and each little area is different as far as the importance it has to waterfowl. I love it. Absolutely love it. CWA, California Waterfowl, spent $7.9 million on habitat across California, including the acquisition of the 260-acre Sanborn Slough Duck Club in the Butte Sink. $7.9 million. Where the hell did y'all get that money? 
it's all it's all grants you know we're our our uh wetlands biologists you know we we put together the unique thing that california waterfowl brings to the table with these grants is that we package up several private lands with 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 public so they're 50 50 so um that's where that money we write those grants are usually done at least a, a year ahead of time the work goes into it to doing all the paperwork doing all the surveying you know applying for the applying for the grant and then when when a lot of that is landowner matched you know there's there's a uh, on the on the private side that land it's, it's not free the landowners they have to put a portion of the dollars in there so you know, that's the kind of work that's the that's the the scope of you talk about how many how many projects we do up and down the state those are the dollars that's that's the money that's going in 7.9 million cwa's land ownership grew to more than 5000 acres allowing staff to intensively manage habitat to produce high quality food resources waterfowl nesting and broad rearing areas and to create educational training and hunting opportunities for its members what does that mean in layman's terms we're getting people in the field. We're getting them in the marsh, um, whether it's on a hunt or taking a, a group of school kids out to look at wood deck boxes on the property. You know, we're we're, we're managing those habitats, those those five six duck clubs that we have. You know, we're managing them the best that we can to produce the best waterfowl habitat we can, which which hopefully will translate into good hunting. And uh, and then in the off season, we're using those properties for so much so many other things. You know, school kids coming out on the summer camp at Grizzly Ranch. You know, we got six different uh, weeks of camps down there. We have about 300 kids over the summer that are coming out for 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 the week, and uh, it's really about getting getting people. These properties don't just operate from duck during duck season; they're year round. Um, you know, we're about getting people out outdoors and showing them what it is and the beauty behind wetlands. What? You say getting people in the field. That whole thing that I just read means the bottom line is is that we are we we're doing this to get new people in the field and keep people motivated, like we touched on before. Absolutely, you know, just utilizing those properties, all that land, that five thousand acres, to administer the programs we just talked about. You know, the 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 becoming an outdoor woman's program, our veterans program. We we have a veterans hunt program where it's active duty and uh and um veterans that we get on waterfall hunts deer hunts turkey hunts dove hunts fishing trips you know once again it's about getting people in the outdoors touching all the different people that are out there and and getting them getting them you know really trying to get them to fall in love with what what we have you know it's a, it's special well dude i always tell people how special this lifestyle is we protected 83 acres of important wetland and upland habitats with a perpetual conservation easement, um, growing CWA's easement holdings to nine projects covering 9,437 acres. So what is the special project, this 83 acres? Is that, can it be talked about? I'd have to, I don't, I'm sure it could be talked about. I don't have the specifics on that, but basically those, the easements are stuff that we, we hold easements. It's land that's put into uh, conservation programs. And as, as an easement holder, what we're obligated to do is to make sure that that land is maintained as it's specified in the easement agreement. So we have to make sure that if it's going to be a seasonal marsh, that it's, it's managed as a seasonal marsh. That's our, that's our role in that. You can't go through the motions on it. Once you get yeah. that ease, once it's defined as an easement, there's a lot of per maintenance that goes into that and precautionary measurements that say, Hey, we, we have to protect this now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what CWA is doing. Once they get it granted to them, then they're all, they're working daily to make sure that they live up to their end of the bargain on it. Yep. Absolutely. 
Staff made progress toward gaining National Land Trust Alliance accreditation, which is awarded to land trusts meeting the highest national standards for excellence and, conserva- and conservation permanence. CWA hopes to earn accreditation by 2023. Big time. Like, that's a, you hear that, you, me and you can sit there and go, like, that's way above our pay grade. But if you go in and, and learn about this accreditation and to know that CWA is in the midst of being rewarded it and they're on the short list of it. It's a huge, just a unbelievable goal to attain. And you guys, you hear a a list like that. I just read one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points, six bullet points in one year. Well, those six bullet points broaden into daily work that has to go into all of these scopes, including banding. Our staff was involved in banding 8,302 waterfowl in 2018. 8,300 birds banded by your CWA staff. Postseason rocket netting by CWA biologists resulted in an all-time high of 3,274 birds banded, including 2,656 pintail. Strong, strong numbers. California wood duck programming, 35,293 wood ducks hatched in CWA nest, nest boxes in 2018 for a cumulative total of nearly 40 or 846,000 wood ducks hatched since 1991. That's enough for $35 to be being sent by every duck hunter. Even if you never get to shoot at one of those wood ducks, knowing that that many birds, 846,000 wood ducks hatched, in California Waterfowl Association nest boxes since 1991. Nearly 600 volunteers in California Waterfowl Association staff monitored 5,647 nest boxes on 178 projects. That's a lot of windshield time. That's a lot of you know uh, people that have to travel and get out to these places and put their boots on and go to work. It's happening right now. Now's right now. Right now yep. is the time. This is my favorite. This is like my baby that I brag on all the time. Egg salvage program. CWA staff helped rescue 1,528 eggs from farm fields in 2018. 2,354 egg salvage birds were banded under CWA's banding permit, meaning that you guys take those eggs. When the farmer calls and says, hey, this hen just flew off her nest, instead of that thatcher just going over it like they used to, They call your biology team. They go out, they save these eggs. They put them into an incubation process in different parts of California. They hatch these eggs. They raise these ducks until they're ready to go into the wild. And they release them in to marshland all up and down the state of California. Oh, 2,354 egg salvage birds were banded under CWA's banding program. So you think about how many of these birds that were banded, they would have been dead read up on this freaking egg salvage program because it's awesome. And, and I could talk about it all day. I didn't want to get into it because it would have taken up the entire time, but pretty much you guys are saving ducks. You guys are just killing ducks out there. Really? Well, we just went out and say, well, you're just saving them to kill them. Really? Really? You clown. We're saving them so we could go shoot them. We put them in an incubator and then raise them. And then we just let them march out and we shoot them on their way out to the marsh. No dummy. Look into it. We're saving ducks because we freaking care about animals, the habitat, the conservation, and the species. Man, that blows my mind. I've heard people say that. Y'all are raising ducks to shoot them. Oh, yeah. No, clown. You clown. Over 150 volunteers participated in program activities for egg salvage. 150 people said, I'm going to go help because it sounds badass, and it is badass. 22,500 CWA banded egg salvage ducks have been recovered since 1986. Wow. 
22,500 ducks that were put into the wild have been recovered. That just shows you since 1996, how many years is that? That's been 23 years ago. That many ducks. I mean, it just blows my mind. 38 farmers in eight counties over California have nine, have over 9,600 acres enrolled in the program. Dude, that doesn't sound like that many, but 20 years ago, farmers would have been like, what? Get out of here. I'm yeah. drinking my coffee and I'm starting my combine. Well, and, and you know, specifically about that program, it's great the eggs we're saving and, and saving those because those nests are going to get run over. Sometimes, unfortunately, the hen does too, but the education that provides to that landowner that they become a steward of that land and maybe they they set aside some land on the side that they don't they don't farm or leave the grass growing a little bit higher just and that's the biggest part about that program is education is to educate not only the landowners but but just you know the the public on what's going on that these animals are here nesting like i said before california has got a unique unique system where you know 60 to 80% of the mallards that we shoot in california are raised in California, what we call California mallards. And, and this is just part of that, you know, that these birds are in the wheat fields, they're in the alfalfa, they're in the vetch, you know, they're out there in these fields. And unfortunately, when, when those crops or, or that vetch is needed to get dissed in, you know, there's probably, there's a lot of ducks in there nesting and, and we get in there, we get the eggs out. And like you said, we, we take them to a facility, they get to, they get to go up to a certain age and then we release them. And, you know, everybody thinks that's like you said, oh, we're just, throwing them out there so we can shoot them. I can tell you that where they're released, the band recoveries on, on those birds, on those properties are not there. They're not there. They, we've had them fly up to Idaho and, and the, the yeah, places that they go. They're being ducks. Yeah. They get to be yep. ducks. They have wings. Of, they fly. Instead of never yeah. hatching, they get yep. to be ducks. Yep. Um, there's a lot of predators, skunks and foxes that'll, you know, if, if you, if CWA is not doing this and that nest isn't there, if he doesn't run it over that day or that tractor doesn't happen to see, there's also other things that can prevent that nest from being hatched, you know, yeah. weather, mother nature, predators, there's a lot of it. So any ducks that can be saved like that is absolutely worth talking about and showcasing. There's so much that goes into it. 20,000 youths and families reached. We demonstrated the value of wildlife habitat conservation and the critical role hunters play to more than 14,000 students through field trips, presentations, hands-on projects. More than 4,000 people participated in this program. Families enjoyed conservation games and exhibits at festivals and outdoor expos in 2018 where we reached almost 5,700 people. There's training for tomorrow's leaders. We talked about the UC Davis program. That's leaders. College students and recent graduates are getting their start at California Waterfowl through college chapter activities and work experience internships, several in partnership with the Fish and Wildlife Service and the National Wildlife Refuge System. These college kids are getting a jump start because of the CWA. So there they are giving back again, getting hunters that new hunters into it, introducing this lifestyle and the importance of this lifestyle and our efforts to new people, youth camps, nearly 200 youth learn the nuts and bolts of waterfowl hunting and conservation through our multi-day camps, family camps and fun shoots brought an additional 132 participants to learn the basics of hunting. Again, 132 doesn't sound like that big of a number, but those are people that were never considering picking up a gun, shooting or hunting and CWA is doing its part, right? Scott, to get them involved. I could go on. It's the hunt program we talked about, the veteran hunt program, absolutely awesome. The women's hunting program, absolutely awesome. But there's there's so much. I challenge people to go out, and we can post this list if you want. We can make it accessible on what CWA has done and where that $35 would go and the programs that it's going to go towards to help making sure that it does. But what waterfowl 
I just want to make sure that we understand these last numbers real quick. 20,000 members strong. How, what's that now? 22,000? We're going to be 45 by August of 2020. That's our goal. Nearly 3,400 members have signaled a higher level of commitment with membership levels of life member to life benefactor. 3,400 of them. Waterfowl and wetland projects, $4.98 million spent. Hunting and education, $2.7 million spent. Governmental affairs, $0.89 million spent. Fundraising, $1.46 million. Administrative, $0.52 million. Other, $0.17 million. That, this money needs to come from somewhere. And again, this whole podcast wasn't meant to be a recruiting process, but it's important that people understand where that money's going and that it's not just going for you guys to print a magazine with high resolution photos in it. Those magazines are a, a, a task to pull off of themselves. They're educational, they're informative. They, they help us get the word out through, you know, be, people being able to read up on all of the things that we just talked about a little bit in that list that I had. But as a whole, you, you have, you have this group of people, 20,000 members, volunteers, as well as the, your guys' staff that are working daily on all of that stuff. And it's a full-time job for you. And what stuck out to me, what you said, is you've been there 20 years. It's not like you just came in there as a call. I know you played college football at Fresno State, which is the armpit of the world. I'm <laughs> just kidding, Fresno. <laughs> Thanks. Like, which one is it, Fresno or Modesto or Stockton? Which one is it? Am I going to piss some people off by saying that? Is that the, where does the armpit start? Lodi. (laughs) I absolutely love that area. I'm totally kidding. But you could have very easily came in there after college and said, put in a year or two, but your passion for this and these projects and this voice is stronger than that. It's like 100% like I'm here for, uh, you you seem like you're a lifey now, right? Is this where you're going to retire? I'd hope to. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, if I didn't have the passion I have, I wouldn't still be here. Like you said, I, you know, I, I, honestly came on board i didn't i was a i was a duck hunter and that was my one of my, my biggest passion after i got out of, out of college and, and in my youth but you know i i, I do i do what i do it's it's given me the ability to, to do something i love to be a part of closer part of that community to meet the unbelievable people that that we have up and down the state our volunteers the folks that come to all of our, our banquets and support us there but you know it's it's just it's I heard this is a Ken Hoffman quote. He said, I never met a duck hunter I didn't like. And, um, you know, I really, I I just think as a, as a people, hunters in general are wonderful human beings. And, and um, it's just nice to be close to that. It really is cool to, to know that, you know, hunters as a whole and duck hunters that, that, that you meet somebody and you're like, man, we, there might be some ego out there. There might be some traits of some hunters individual, but as a whole, I've never met a duck hunter. I really don't like either. I mean, there's some that I would rather hunt with less than others. Yeah. But I'm like, man, that's just a good group of people. And that that's the voice of this is like, hey, come together and understand why this voice is so important and why CWA is so needed now more than ever. I mean, right now is a very vital time to get involved. And there's so much literature out there that you can go and find and dig up and read and educate yourself on what's going on on a national basis and then go over and read what's going on in California and how it spreads into a national basis. And I, I think that there's 
a lot of seriousness to it, but there's also a lot of the fun part of the lifestyle. Talk to me a little bit about the Butte Sink Barbecue and what is the reason for this barbecue? It's it's unlike any of the other banquets you do, meaning that it takes place at a duck club that you guys pick. It, it changes duck clubs in that area of the California Butte Sink each year. Um, it's uh, it does have fundraising at it with raffles and, and, a, and an awesome lunch that Traeger helped out with last year. Um, why the Butte Sink Barbecue? It kicks off duck season, right? Absolutely. And how long's that one been going? And what is the importance of the Butte Sink Barbecue? Uh, I mean, it's it's been going for. Uh, longer than I've been there, so 20 plus years it was started. And it was really just a, you know, it's a kick off the duck season. It's the Friday before duck season, and and uh, it's it's getting that group of folks. The Butte Sink is a, there's a lot of duck clubs in that area, and and getting not only the club members there, but it's it's really a partner event. You know, Ducks Unlimited is there. The local Fish and Wildlife Service is there. You know, we we include everybody, and it's 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 a celebration. I would say is is really what it is. It's it's kicking off duck season. It's a celebration, and, and that what we do there, we do in other places now too. Um, that that's an opportunity to get you know opening weekend. Everybody's generally there duck duck camp, you know, and and so it's a great time to sit around and have a glass of wine and and have a good meal and 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 see people for a lot a lot of the interesting part is that I the people that come to these get-togethers a lot of times it's the first time they've seen them since the end of duck season last year. You know, they don't maybe they don't socialize outside of duck duck hunting. But they get to see them at this uh, at events like the Butte Sing Barbecue, so it's pretty pretty special. And how many how many banquet styles um, like that? The Butte Sing Barbecue I said takes place during the day, which most of your banquets, your fundraising banquets, take place in different cities around the state. Um, how many you, you or did you say there were? Was it eighty? We have about eighty five, eighty five events. All that's your traditional banquet, you know, your your evening banquet type style. We have a handful like the Butte Sing Barbecue. We have one in. In Lambertville, which is uh, uh, another um, kind of area in, in on the west side of the valley uh, by Sacramento National Wildlife Refuge, uh, north of Sacramento, about two hours. So they have a little kickoff uh, celebration barbecue as well. You know, we we participate at the at the state and public uh, wildlife areas. You know, with um, shoot, we had some great volunteers this last duck season that were in the, at the sweat line at, at Worcester or San Jacinto and and trying to educate the Southern California folks about who we are, what we are, and what we're about. Um, it's really those grassroots efforts that are just amazing to me, that, that, that people would take the time that they take to spend to, to help tell our story. So where is the top banquets at? What, what, if I was going to rank these, I know they're all important. Yeah. A lot of them have st- these these committees that are in charge of these dinners that that are volunteers pretty they're not being paid to be on that committee they're taking pride in meeting once a week Mm -hmm. or maybe once a month and then as the event gets closer they start meeting a little bit more regularly to make sure that they ensure because those are not an easy task to pull off that's a lot of work that goes in to just getting the room securing the room securing the catering the setup the tables the chairs the pa system um the auctioneer, the bar, the 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 FFL and background checks, and the monies that is coming in, and making sure that it goes to the right spot to be deposited into the CWA bank account to make sure that your bills can be paid. They're not easy to pull off. If it wasn't for these volunteers and these committees like Chico, like Gridley, like Blackhawk, like uh, Arrowhead, I mean, you can name them and keep going. Alturas, and we just oh, went to no one sense. at Lake Tahoe. Yeah. 
there's committees that are so committed to these banquets and CWA. I've had people like tell me like they look at it as a full-time job. They take pride in this. They're not getting a paycheck. They don't give a flying rat's ass if they get paid for doing it. It's the pride in that picture that they take after the event was a success with their committee and they start putting it all over their social media like, hey, or media like, hey, another successful event. Can't wait to get started for next year. Thank you all so much for your support. And there's a lot that goes into that. And that banquet program, are they, can they get boring? Yeah. But if you're, if you understand the true meaning behind them, it's worth going to a couple of years and supporting and donating to them. And they, they can be tedious. I ain't going to sit here and tell you that they're the funnest thing in the world, but CWA does a good job of different types of, in, of, of changing them up like the Butte Sing barbecue and the other ones that you mentioned. The, the banquet program is as important to CWA as every, every other way that they raise money. So just going to a banquet and paying for that ticket or buying a table is important. So that's another way to get involved. Absolutely. And it comes with a membership. Absolutely. No, I mean, our banquet system is, is really our kind of our, it is the lifeblood of the organization. I mean, that's our, our largest group of volunteers are helping us put those on. We're in front of the most people, you know, like 14,000 people a year come to our banquets. So, you know, yeah, they're, they're great opportunities to go try to win a gun. And, and we, we, we say we, we want to make sure everybody wins a gun, but, you know, obviously everybody can't. Um, the dollars that you were talking about earlier, I mean, that is the money that we use for our programs. I'm proud to say that over, I think this last year, or 83 or 85 cents of every dollar we raise goes into our programs. That's important. You know, we've, we've, we're, we're committed to making sure that we, the dollars we receive, whether it's your membership dollars, your donations, whatever they are, that that we're stewards of that money, that we invested in, in the right places, and, and that we're, you know, that that we pay attention. We're not just out there doing, you know, doing stuff that, that that's questionable. We want to make sure that we have integrity with the organization. That every dollar that we can afford to put into our programs, we put into our programs. That's, that's important. Awesome. So, what's the next one coming up? I, the, a podcast like this is ongoing. Yeah, it's got to, you know, we don't have all the people here to talk on every, you know, you're in charge of certain parts. I wanted to make sure that we could sit down and, and get, go into this membership drive. That's what you're in charge of. You're in charge of fundraising, but we talked, we touched on different things, but fundraising is so important to the CWA membership drive is so important. We've already set our goal for that. We understand what we're trying to reach in fundraising every year and where that money's going what do you look forward to with your job? Is it exciting to you to see another chapter started? How does another chapter get started? And how, and how does that, you know, parlay into a successful, into a very successful banquet? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, having these banquets all over the state, you know, we have them, like I said, 12 months of the year, um, getting involved and just being a part of one of the committees is, is, a, is a great opportunity to, to, to kind of learn about the organization um, it is our lifeblood uh, of the organization. Like I said, fourteen thousand people come to it every year, raise a lot of a lot of funds there. Whether it's uh, you know uh, membership dollars or or dollars that we can put, uh, make sure we put in all of our programs. But you know, really get involved in our banquets is is absolutely a great place to start to get involved, um, and then and then learn more about the organization. You know, find out about the other opportunities, starting a wood duck program trying to get involved in, in nest searching or helping at one of our kids' camps. And, and there is a lot to do with the organization. We rely on a lot of volunteers to do that. And uh, there's definitely plenty of, plenty of things to do out there. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great way to get, to get started. Um, 
you know, and, and we're, we're in 85 different places in California. There's a lot more places that we're not. So if we're not in your city, you know, look me up on the website. My, my cell phone's on the, on the website, uh, my direct email address, uh, get in contact with us. We'd love to come in and, and, and talk to you more about what it means to, to do a bank or to be involved with CWA. And, uh, and, and like I said, if, if we're not in your backyard, you know, there's a lot of places we're not, and, uh, we'd love to be there. It, it brings a great excitement to me to, to get a call from a potential volunteer that says, Hey, I really, I want to do this. Uh, I live in whatever city you're not here. And, uh, and I want to make sure that I pass this on, that I start this, start this banquet to get more of my community involved in California waterfowl. And, and, uh, and that's a great way to do it. And what, um, if you think about that, you, you have the ability to, you have the ability to have this committee start up. You have these chapters starting up. You have these people that are taking pride on a, a, you know, a daily basis that, that turns into a lot of work for them. And I look at it like this, when I get invited to go to one of these banquets, I've been to a ton of them. I've been all over the country to where you have to have, you know, you go in and they're all organized, kind of the same. They're all, um, you know, put together in, in kind of the same light to where you go in and you have a little bit of a social time and you, you, you might have a cold beer and talk to people. You get to walk around, see the auction prizes, see the silent auction prizes, see the raffle prizes, talk to a bunch of, uh, of the different CWA members, and you have the ability to put your name in a bunch of different hats and buy these tickets. And then it's time to sit down and you have the dinner and then you hear the speech from you or whoever else is there. And then you have the auctioneer get up and, and you, and, and they are, they get to the point to where a lot of people are, um, maybe they don't go to a lot of them, but a lot of people look forward to going to that certain one every single year. And I think that that's what it means is that you're, you, you, just because you're a volunteer doesn't mean that you have to go to every banquet that the CW ha has. Just because you're a member doesn't mean that you're asked to try to go to all of these banquets and spend your money at all of them. But most members, most people that are, 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 are you know, approached by CWA to become part of these banquets, they look forward to that certain one every year. Construction companies, bankers, whoever it is, they want to buy a table. They, it's one of their social events for the year, and it helps out in raising money. So, with that being said, you know there's a lot of areas in California that can still have a chapter that that that, that you guys still have room to have new chapters and. I love hearing that, like, man, I just got out of college. I'm, I'm starting this new chapter. I'm getting ready to, to, you know, try to build my team to try to put together an event. And then when you go to your events, where I'm getting at with this is you get up there and you award these awards to the top chapters yep. in the, in the, in the state every year that raise the most money, um, new chapter that raised the most money, uh, chapter that's led by all, there's all women chapters. Like I think is Chico all women. Or is uh, the Calusa's all women? It, our Calusa was. It, it was they, all women at yeah. one time, right? Yeah. And that's pretty cool. So yeah. the, you see that, and these people get up there. They're not competitive. I mean, I bet you they do look at it as competitive in a way that they want to do the best for CWA, but it's not like they're against the other chapters. And they get up there, and they get their award, and they get their plaque, and they all take pride in it. They, it's so important to the CWA to have these volunteers. It's, it's not I, – I guess I'm speaking at it because – it's not just something that you say and let go. It's very important. Like these chat, these volunteers are not taken for granted. So it, can, is there a way that you, is there one that you, that comes to mind that you think that 
man, this was unbelievable. This, this was so awesome to be a part of. These guys came to me with this idea or I went to them and said, hey, start a chapter. Is there something that comes to mind to where you go, man, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I took this job over of a membership drive and in charge of, of fundraising? Is there something that comes to mind to you right now? Well, that's, it's tough to choose. I mean, with, eight, with, with all the events we have, they're all unique in their own way. There's a lot of similars on them. And, and obviously we have ones that, that make Two three hundred thousand dollars, and we have ones that make five and ten, and they're all equally important um, because it's that connection that we can make with those people. So, you know, to single one out, I mean, we have we have several that you know I take pride in in the last um, five years or so that as an organization we now have multiple events that are single handedly raising over a hundred thousand dollars in one night. Wow. That's a monumental feat. Um, you know, I take I take great pride in in being able to, like you said, reward our, our, our committees and, and thank them as much as we can for the endless hours they put in. They're not paid, like you said. They're doing this for the love of waterfowl hunting and of California Waterfowl Association. So to you, know, you, you, you look at those folks and you just have to take your hat off to them. Um, so I get excited about them because you know, they, a lot of them, as you say, we, we give out awards, you know, one of the awards we give out is for efficiency, which that means, you know, just like I mentioned earlier that we look as an organization to try to put 85 cents of every dollar into our programs, you know, every dollar raised at an event, you know, we want to, we want to make sure that we can take net from that event as high a percentage as we can so that we can take that money and put it to good worse and, and put it towards that 85%. So, or 85 cents on every dollar. So, you know, it's, it's that, that makes me excited, you know, to see, and we have some, one of the things that makes me excited, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for 20 years and I heard it 20 years ago, what's going to happen? You know, the age of the waterfowl hunter and the age of our committees is, you know, we're not getting any younger. When is the, when is the next generation going to step up? The new blood. And, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of, of our committees. You know, we just had our Reading committee, our dinner last weekend. And, uh, you know, our chairman, who's one of our district chairmen, come to find out, you know, most of their committee doing most of the work are all 15 to 22 year olds, young, young wow. blood. Talk about young blood. Our, you know, I mentioned our, our UC Davis chapter. Those are college kids. Uh, uh, you know, all of these events that we have, you know, we have some events, you know, CWA is going to celebrate its 75th year, but we have events that are celebrating their 30 plus years of existence, 30 some years. Uh, you know, our Sassoon Marsh Field Day, it's a, it's a great event down in Grizzly Island Wildlife Area. And uh, it's, it's going on 33 years, I think, this year. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an expo type uh, event, totally different than anything else we do. So it's things like that that, that, that get me excited that, that what we do as an organization means something to these people because they wouldn't be doing what they're doing if what we did didn't matter. Well put. Are you are you worried about the floods right now? The water, the amount of water that's in in certain parts of the the state right now, is that a factor? Do the 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 wildfires are they affected by? Uh, do they affect anything that the CWA is pushing towards? Does the CWA do anything to, as far as their reach to to lend a hand in terms of you know like the Paradise Fire just above Chico? Um, does the CWA activate in those instances too? Do you have a committee that's more geared towards that, even though it doesn't have anything to do with maybe a banquet or something, but it does affect the, the ecosystem. It does affect the environment. Um, are you guys actively, you know, do you have a role in any of that? 
You know, we, we, we take kind of a, a little bit of a silent role in that, you know, as, as a conservation organization, when those fires hit, they're tragic and all, and there's organizations out there that directly do stuff for that. So we did some things on the side silently because we didn't feel as an organization that um, we needed to pump our chests on that case. We just wanted to do some good things for those people. Uh, a good example, I sent up some, some gear up that way hunting gear to, to give away to some of the paradise victims that, that, um, that maybe lost everything. And, and, uh, you know, our, our Chico chapter, which is right there, that their event, um, got postponed, you know, that their dinner was two days after the fire started. So obviously the, the banquet couldn't happen that Saturday night. So we just had it. And, um, proud to say that because of that committee and the people at that event, you know, they raised enough money to send, send, uh, several kids to our camps. They're going to, they're going to focus on sending some of those paradise kids, um, that, that lost everything, uh, to one of our youth camps this summer. So yeah, you know, we, those things, you know, as far as, uh, you know, we're a community when things affect our community, just like here in your backyard, they affect you. And, um, you know, we're in every, we're in almost every little community there is out there. So things like that, um, they hit home. Um, you know, it, 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 it sheds a light on us as human beings and, and what's important, you know, life and, and all these other things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's sad to see those things happen as far as, you know, how other ways that mentioned the floodwaters in California um, or all the rain. Um, there's a lot of water. There's a lot of water everywhere. Um, and that's going to that's going to bode well for our local mallard production. I always say April showers bring May mallard, you know, so um, the, the the longer that grass grows and, and, and all that, then our our local population of ducks in California, not only not only mallards, but wood ducks and cinnamon teal and. Uh, gadwall and, and, and a lot of other species that stay there and don't go to Canada uh, and, and breed there in California. So the 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 uh, rains welcome the floodwaters are you know we don't want to we don't want we don't want the flooding that we that we have seen in the past, which hopefully we're not going to get. Um, but there's definitely a lot of it there. So what's next? What what is what are you looking forward to the most for the rest of 2019? Um, Obviously, duck season's coming up in a few months. It's it'll be right here. I can't wait. I'm already giddy about it. Um, does the the banquet season start like right now? Is this the prime time of banquets, or when do they really get going to where a person can go and find a banquet to go and experience and maybe become involved as a committee member, a volunteer that way? Um, and how how can you know somebody find that information of when their local chapter is having a banquet or if there is a local chapter? And I know you touched on it before, but you can go to the CWA website and get that information. And if they do want to take it to the next step of forming their own chapter um, to become a volunteer that could help out in, in, in every aspect of the organization, is it easy to do? Is it something that uh, it's a no brainer for people to go on the website and say, Hey, Absolutely. I want to become involved. Yeah, no, there's, you know, we, we uh, have an events calendar on there that has not only our fundraising events, but also our, our camps and program events. Um, there's a volunteer page where you can take, you know, fill out a form and, and all of the various uh, volunteer opportunities that we have, not only just being on a dinner committee, you can say, Hey, I want to, I want to mentor kids or I want to teach at one of our BOW camps, whatever that is. Um, go on our website, calwaterfowl.org, uh, fill that out. Somebody will be in touch with you. Um, and when we have those opportunities that come available, uh, you know, we'll get in touch with you. And, and as far as our banquet season, I mean, we're actually, believe it or not, we're, we're going into, uh, coming off our busiest time of the year. Uh, March is our busiest month of the year. Um, have 
20 plus events this month. And then we slow down a bit for fundraising in, in the summers. And then really, really August on August till next March and April is, is, is what I would call our banquet season. We have the bulk of our events. Are the giants going to suck this year? <laughs> I hope not. We're giants fans. So you're not an A's fan. Uh, you know what? I root for, I root for the A's too, but I'm more of a giants, giants guy. You know, I like to see. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a homer. I like the home team to in my backyard. I like them to do good. So you like Bochi? I do. Bochi's a Bochi's a good guy. Is he a member? He's a member. He, uh, in fact, we've done some uh, hunts with him. He's awesome, isn't he? Great guy. You ever met, have you ever met Dusty Baker? Yep. He's yep. awesome. Man. Yep. Is he a member? Yep. He's, a life member. He's a life member. Yep. Right? He loves yep. duck hunting. Oh yeah. Hunter Macklemore. Uh, no, not Hunter Macklemore. Hunter Strickland. Hunter I got Str- another buddy named Hunter Macklemore I was talking to this morning. Hunter Strickland was a Giants closer. Now he's with Seattle, but he's a CWA member. Absolutely. Posey did some stuff with him. I don't know if he's a member, but, I mean, Posey's a, a good person that's got a you know a good head on his shoulders about conservation. Um, the support that you guys get from different entities around the state, um, car dealerships, financial institutions. Um, I, I know tons of businessmen that are involved, and one that comes to mind that's been on this show before is Rock Merlo. Um, he's co-chairman of CWA, and he runs a successful business in California. He's heavily involved in CWA and a lot of your initiatives you you bring a lot of people into the CWA that that it helps them get their feet wet in, in what they want to become in life and future business and community leaders. It's important to have people like Rock Merlot, the Ken Hoffmans, the people that have done it. They've been there, done that. They've hunted. They've raised money. They're into philanthropy. They're, they're entrepreneurs. They understand organization and they understand the keys that it takes to be successful. We're looking for those kind of people to come and be that next generation of leaders for the CWA. And Rocky's in his 50s. You're in your 40s. I'm in my 40s. You you talk about that young blood. It's time for people to step up. And that's what they that's what the CWA is breeding is that, hey, we've got a lot of young blood in this organization. So it's not going anywhere. The key to success is getting more people actively involved, getting that voice bigger, whether it's through membership drives, which we talked about, or whether it's, you know, becoming a volunteer and getting involved. What do, does everything in your life center around CWA? Have you found it that it eats up your life, your social life, your family life in a good way? Is it gotten to the point to where it's always on your mind because you've become so ingrained in it that, man, all I can think about is what's going on at the Senate right now. This is pissing me off. Does, does, has it gotten into you to where it, 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 it controls you? Or are you able to shut it off? Because a lot of these things are so close to your heart, so close to you as a person, your, your, your psyche and your makeup. It's me. I, would, I have a hard time turning it off. And now you're involved in the daily, man, I hope, I hope Chico does good tonight. I hope this banquet does good. I hope this bill gets passed. I hope we get the rain. I hope this farm does good. I hope this hunter has a great day on his first time. There's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot to absorb as a human being. Does it eat at you? Has it become too much? Or do you wake up every day going, I'm lucky as hell to have this job? Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I definitely think I'm lucky as hell to be a part of California waterfowl. And no, I don't, I, it doesn't, it doesn't eat at me. I mean, it's part of, if you're a waterfowl hunter, you know, what I, what I deal with on a day-to-day basis is, is really key and, and, and deep in, in my heart. And I think it's deep in a lot of people's hearts. The, the details are, yeah, I get, I get to know a lot more about the details. And, and unfortunately some of the, the, the things that everybody doesn't get to hear about the, the not so great things, but you know, I love, I love, um, waterfowl hunting. 
And that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I think uh, if you ask that question to my wife, depending on the, the time of year, if it's duck season, she would tell you, absolutely. That's all, you know, he's thinking about during duck season is ducks, which, which we all are. But, um, you know, there's a lot going on. So I'm always connected to what's going on um, in the state. Uh, like I said, there's, there's duck season isn't the end. Um, of things for what we do as an organization, and it shouldn't be the end to uh, to any duck hunter's life. You know, they should continue to be be plugged in, connected, get involved outside of just that hundred day season we have. And what's the best way right now? If you said get involved, if I'm sitting in Oklahoma or Nevada or Sacramento, California right now, what would you say is the fundraising? You know, you're in charge of fundraising and membership development. You want more volunteers, you want more members, you want more committee members, you want more people to help out with the banquets, run your camps, you want it all. It's your job to make sure that all of these people are coming in, fresh blood is coming in. What would you tell me, Chad, if, if you're new to this and you have one area to put me in, where would it be right now? What would be the best thing for me to do to get involved in CWA? Become a member first? For, yeah, absolutely. Become a member first. I mean, get plugged in, you know, go, go on our Instagram, go on our Facebook uh, we have an e-newsletter that comes out every month. You know, that's a first place to start. Get that magazine. Read up on what's going on. And, then, you know, I do go to, you know, I, I know that's that's what I've been doing for 20 years is our fundraising banquets. But it's a great way to plug into the community. You know, usually those folks that are on those committees are some of your more diehard waterfowlers. And let's face it, you know, learning, you know, having having new friends that, that you haven't met before and, and getting plugged in at the dinner level you know, hey, there's other benefits as part of that too. I mean, maybe that maybe that chairman of that event has a duck club he'll take you on a hunt for. But I think that's a great place to start is our is A, be a member. Two, if, if we're not in your community, if we don't have a banquet in, in your backyard and you want to start one, reach out to me and let's talk. Because, uh, you know, we're looking for people that are as passionate about what we do as we are to be a part of it. And, and we need that to survive. We need that to grow. We need that to do all the great things we're doing. And do I wear you out as a person? Do you, you wear me out? Yeah. How, it depends I, on how many cups of coffee you've had. <laughs> am I too much for you? Am I too aggressive? Am I am I somebody that comes across like, we got to get this done, we got to get this done, we want to make it happen now, I want answers now. Am I that kind of guy? Or have I gotten better at kind of just like, being more of the the guy that can help out in certain areas, and I'm I'm saying this because I don't live in California. Mm-hmm. I don't have any skin in the game as far as I don't hunt your ducks every day. I don't go to all of your banquets. I don't get paid by the CWA. I don't. I don't. We have a great partnership in a lot of different facets. But do you want somebody that is? more aggressive than me am i too aggressive as an individual that i want to see results or what kind of person are you looking for is the cwa for everybody and am i too much for the cwa is my voice too loud for the cwa or am i the right fit for the cwa what kind of person are you guys looking for because my personality is way different than john carlson's right my personality is way different than yours Mm -hmm. but I think that the individuals that make it up where I'm going with that, Scott, is that I wake up thinking about different ways that we can work together in a lot of different capacities, right? Not everybody's going to have that mindset, but it might be something else that they can bring to the table, right? Do you look at me like, do you look at me and say, 
that's a good voice for the CWA? Or are you looking for a different message out there on a national level? And who can deliver that message? How can we get that message out there more? If I can't do it, I want to do it. Is the CWA looking for that kind? Or what kind of person are they looking for to go out and show people, hey, this is important. This is where we need the help out. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's somebody else. I'm just wondering how you look at it, the relationship that you have with me, the relationship that you have with Banded, the relationship that CWA has with the foul life and our other properties. Is it a good fit? Is it what you want? And if not, what are you looking for? No, absolutely. It's a great fit. I mean, the passion you have for what we do is evident in everything you do. And I think... who makes up CWA is people like you. And then there's people that, that, that aren't as aggressive. And I think it takes, it takes, uh, it takes all of us to be involved. So, you know, absolutely. You're a great fit for what we do. You, I think the biggest thing that, that I can say about, you know, the relationship we have is that you're not only passionate about duck hunting and I've, I, I, you know, you've been duck hunters for as long as, you know, I've probably been a duck hunter, you know, growing up as a youngster and having that passion in it. But you've experienced what we do, and that excites me because it excites you to understand that you're not paid by California Waterfowl. You know, you you do what you do because you believe in what we bring to the table and the and the work that we're doing. So, you know that that's a great um, that's a great trait. We see that in, in in most people that come out and actually, you know, get their get their hands wet or or, or dirty, so to speak, and get get to see our programs and get to understand the impact they have on those college kids from UC Davis or those kids at the Grizzly Ranch or, you know, the, the guy going out on or gal going out on, on Sanborn Slough on a boat and, and getting to experience those things. So, you know, that to me is, uh, is understanding that, that the passion that we have for what we love, um, you know, it bleeds right into the organization and, and it's a great fit for us. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I think that We've had a pretty good run so far of getting it out there. And now, you know, we got to do more to to reach some of these goals that we're putting in front of us. And going into the 75th year of CWA mm-hmm. is important. 2020 yep. marks the 75th anniversary of the California Waterfowl Association. There's going to be a, na- a, a, a convention, a banquet. Um, there's going to be a lot of cool things going on that week. We're hoping to concert We're education processes. Um, there's going to be, uh, like we said, a banquet and a dinner, a party, a cocktail hour. Um, is it a hundred percent solidified that it's going to be in Reno, Nevada? It's not a hundred percent solidified that it is, but we're definitely looking hard. It's a great, um, last year we actually took our banquet up to Lake Tahoe, um, and, and have had it in various places, but you know, we want, we want our 75th year to be a celebration, right? It's a, it's an accomplishment. It's it's we've been around since 1945. We started out. Our first name was the Duck Hunters Association of California. That's that's what started California Waterfowl. So we want to celebrate that, and we want to do some cool things like you mentioned. And uh, and and yeah, we know we're looking hard at Reno and and bringing it up here. Um, we have a lot of connections in Reno. Obviously, you're up here and and others and and uh, it, it, there and there's what we need to offer is up here. So. So it might be kind of looking good that, you know, what are people in California going to say to that? I think that, I think they're going to be okay with it. I think people, uh, if it's, if it's, uh, if the organization is deep in their heart and they, they look at it as an opportunity to get away on the weekend and, and have some fun and, and, you know, uh, whatever the elements are that go into that weekend, um, they can participate. It, I think, I think that, you know, we're going to have a core, we're not going to have 22,000 people wherever we go, but you know, you're going to get your, you're going to get your core, core folks that that really really that really 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 want to be part of that event and 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 celebrate it 
Yeah, yeah. 75th anniversary. That's and, a big deal. And we'll be celebrating our 75th at every one of our banquets that year. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's going to be in every every town. We're going to celebrate our accomplishments and what we are as an organization and celebrate our volunteers. I love it. So look for that. Look for the CWA. Investigate them. Go online. What's the website, Scott? Calwaterfowl.org. Calwaterfowl.org. The California Waterfowl Association. We touched on a few of the things that are involved in there. Great, great organization. It starts in California, spreads eastward. I truly believe that. So get involved. Become a member. $35 a year. Be part of that voice. Let's double that by August of 2020. That's what... I'm going to make one of my personal goals to help do that and get the word out there even more. So let's do it together as duck hunters with our passion, our love, and our compassion for these animals, the habitat, not just ducks, not just geese, but all of the different animals that that flourish and benefit off of the efforts of an organization like the California Waterfowl. 22,000 members deep, hundreds of volunteers, staff, banquets, over 80 banquets across the state a year, the convention going into their 75th year for 2020. It's all important. It's the voice of the duck hunter. They have the duck hunters' needs and desires and wants and our concerns at the the forefront. And they, they have a huge voice with the government and all of the government affairs that are taking place in California. So if you don't think it can happen to you, you're wrong. Let's get involved and make sure that we at least have a voice and a strong voice and a strong accreditation and everything that the California Waterfowl Association is able to do. So Scott, any closing words? I thank you for being here. We do have some big announcements coming up that we're not going to announce right now that involve the fowl life and CWA, some different hunts and different things that we're bringing to the state of California this year. We were both involved in the Benelli national sales meeting that we brought there two years ago in the chico area that was a huge success and we got other stuff coming in 2019 and 2020 that we're working on together we're getting ready to go eat lunch and talk about some of those right now do you have any closing words at all sir no i just say like i said uh, pay attention out there make sure that you get involved locally um and uh appreciate everybody's support really do cal waterfowl.org o-r-g calwaterfowl.org go on and please think about that $35 and what it's really going to put that decal on your truck have it with pride or put it on your skateboard like I'm getting ready to do before I go out and flip Ollie over a handrail you know what I'm talking about there I don't I I was never any good on skateboard you you never read Thrasher magazine oh yeah I tried and don't forget about the North American Whitetail Championship 14 regions across America and Canada $300 get you entered for your chance to qualify and win $50,000 cash. And again, that $300 gets you an entry package. that's already valued it over that, including a Tacticam, a Gator cooler tumbler, as well as a ton of accessories for your bow. So get involved, become a part of that brought to you by bone collector, Michael Waddell and all the guys down in Booger Bottom, Georgia, as well as wicked outfitters in Kansas, Clinton, Steve and Mike, they're doing a great job of bringing this contest to the forefront. And you hear contests and you're like, I don't know, but look at it, look at the ethics and the morals involved in it and why it's going to do a great job in promoting the lifestyle of the American whitetail archery deer hunter. I I love it. I wish I knew how to, uh, to, archery hunt i get too jittery my knees start shaking too much i just turn into a little schoolgirl just on you know on crack or something scott i get so it's kind of like when mallards start descending i'm just like i don't even know if i'm gonna be able to pull up and that's why i never call the shot and people get all pissed off and they never hunt with me again at least that's why i like to say they don't hunt with me again (laughs) maybe it's my cooking maybe it's my breath i don't know scott i just know that i don't call the shot very often because those mallards amaze me 
Yeah, one more pass. And you know what? Whitetail deer can do the same thing in the North American Whitetail Championships. is awesome. Go check them out at nawtc.com. Visit them at nawtcchamp on Instagram and look at their feed and just get involved. Support it. They need sponsors. They're working with some awesome stout companies right now. And again, it's 14 regions across America and Canada. So get involved. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody was brought to you by our friends at the California Waterfowl Association, calwaterfowl.org, our friends at Federal Black cloud our friends at benelli and our friends at yukonuba dog food we love you guys we appreciate everything you do for our properties here at banded in the foul life and this life ain't for everybody and we also appreciate you guys being supporters and corporate partners and future corporate partners of the california waterfowl association so for scott mueller the vice president of fundraising and membership development for the california waterfowl association I'm Chad Belding. This has been another humbling episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Tom Rashashin, my man, do me a job. I just want to say thanks to Tom and Clay and Tyson and everybody behind the scenes that make the foul life and this life ain't for everybody happen. It doesn't It doesn't go without, without notice. And Scott, you know them all. They're great dudes. They're the ones that make the magic happen. Tom, go ahead and hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. This song is called What You Gonna Do When The Money's All Gone. It was written by Leith Lofton and Mr. Drake White, two of our good friends that live in Nashville and they're both duck hunters and they both love California calwaterfowl.org thank you all very much Tom go ahead and play that song say life on earth won't last that long what you gonna do when the money's all gone